Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Say hey, kids. Uh, How the hell are you? Welcome to a Friday edition of this very show. I am me. You are you. I'm glad you could be with us. We are broadcasting live from Treaty 7 Territory. Everyone is welcome. This is an an all-inclusive and safe podcast. Well, I mean, safe in the sense that nobody will get hurt. Um, Your mind might bend a bit. Oh, I just had a little conversation with uh, Jack and Gavin about what I would do if I was Chicago. Neither one of them bought in. Uh, we will be talking quite a bit of the draft today. Actually, Stephen Ellis from uh, Daily Faceoff, the uh, prospect um, analyst and assistant editor over there is going to join us. And uh, thanks to Gab for setting that up because we all know who's going first, but who's going second uh, and who's going beyond that. Uh, the World Hockey Championships are underway. Uh, Canada is uh, comfortably in front, but this is a podcast. So when you listen to this, most people listen to this, that game will have been long gone. So I'm not even going to update you on it. You'll know what's going on. If you need to know, you'll know. Um, do want to uh, recognize a couple of things. Uh, if I seem just a little slower today, um, I, 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 it's possible, uh, completely possible. I, uh, I made my uh, long-rumored return uh, to the 7HL this morning, uh, Calgary's number one uh, men's rec hockey program that's talked about on the media. Uh, nobody mentions any other league more than the 7HL gets media mention uh, because there's a handful of media guys that play in it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I only play in the summertime, uh, usually because my winters are, are full, but that may change. Um, not bad. Not, I got to tell you, not bad. Every winter, I worry about when I get back on the ice. Uh, you know, I, I made that long trek uh, from goaltender to defenseman to forward uh, in the last decade and a bit. Uh, came back today, had a real strong, I, I won't lie, I won't lie, I'm kind of beaming today, I'm kind of a little cocky, I'm a little proud. Um, yeah, uh, goal and an assist in my first two shifts, four-point game. Uh, one big actually, uh, wasn't expecting that quite honestly. I, every year I expect to go back and, and die just right there. Um, don't, don't expect to finish the game. Somehow I managed to do that, but I was also offensively productive and, and anybody who plays in the seven HL and there's a handful of people who do will tell you, um, that's shocking, really shocking live today in the local Loved delicious Oodle Noodle Studio. Since opening their first store back in 2005, Oodle Noodle has been all flavor and just the right amount of weird. 
Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. Pickup and delivery. Um, Danny Austin is going to join us in studio. The Danny Austin, not a Danny Austin, but the Danny Austin will join us. Stan Peters uh, training camp is underway. Um, lots. Uh, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Uh, I'm looking at the jersey. Oh, well, we don't can't really spin the clock or spin the camera, but you know, Bo Levi's not there. When's the last time 19 wasn't? You know, it's 10 plus years that he wasn't part of a training camp. But uh, hey. On and on and on. History's got a funny way of doing that, right? Uh, Danny's also been covering the Flames offseason, so lots to talk about with him. As I mentioned, Stephen Ellis from Daily Faceoff will join us. We'll talk some prospects, world championships, and a little hockey with him. Um, let's talk a little bit. So let's start with the local hockey heroes. There's the good and the what? Let's start with the good. Candace Gowdy and National Hockey League Major League Sports, number one foundation. Number one foundation. $400,000 back into the community yesterday in pump tracks. Continue to build those recreation spots, those outdoor spots where all Calgarians can go. Um, I was not familiar with the pump track uh, until a couple of seasons ago. And then I went and watched it. And not so much as a participant, but just as an observer... And I know there's a handful of you guys right now uh, that are probably watching this show going, uh, yeah, we know what a pump track is. And if you don't know what a pump track is, go and watch it uh, because it's a communal center. It is a place that kids and adults alike, families go there to be part of the pump track. Uh, phenomenal, 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 phenomenal. So again, the Flames Foundation continues to, to do incredible work in our community. And I often wonder... If the team were to leave, who would do that work? Who would pump millions and millions of dollars back into... See, this is the thing, right? Because there's supposed to be this new building coming, this agreement. And it was kind of announced with a lot of fanfare. And then what? And and then who? Um, it seemingly has... like. It's become an election issue for some, but there doesn't seem to be anybody championing it. There doesn't seem to be anybody out there saying, hey, this is important and here's why. Now, maybe just not in my world, but it doesn't seem like that. Yet, here is the Calgary Flames organization through the foundation going out and put and putting money into our community that would come from where if they weren't here? Who is going to do that? The city? No, they've got a budget. Um, I don't know who's going to do that. Not that they're going anywhere, but anyway, this brings me back to this. Why aren't you, um, why isn't somebody selling this building to us? Please. And that's a weird thing to say. Where are the salesmen? Come on, sell me this building. All right. Uh, this was weird. I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, courtesy of Frank Saravelli from uh, Daily Faceoff yesterday, involving the local hockey heroes. Uh, apparently, there are teams interested in the services of former general manager Brad Treliving, but the Flames are not uh, reportedly. I, I don't. I haven't confirmed this, um, but reportedly, and his contract will end on June thirtieth. Um, he, of course, left the Flames. Uh, not the other way around. 
Um, and they have this is completely within their rights. It's contracts. It's you know it's the law. Really, it's the law, everybody. Um, but it just it strikes me as weird. Um, like weird. Why? Why? You offered him a contract. You wanted him to stay. He chose not to go. Um, why? Why be like that? Um, <clears throat> there are times where that organization does make one scratch their head. Now, there may be plenty of you out there right now that are watching and going, well, that's the way it is. You sign a contract. Perfect. No problem. But sometimes I would think you would want to be perceived as being above kind of things like that, you know, not allowing visiting teams onto the ice until the exact moment, not turning on lights and all that BS that you hear about in the playoffs and crap in other places. Uh, and, you know, anyway, I saw that yesterday. I just wanted to bring it up, make mention of it. If true, it's disappointing, um, but I'm biased because I like Brad and I'd like to see him get another job. Um, quickly, uh, before we get to the first guest of the show, uh, a, a quick update on the National Hockey League uh, p- uh, playoff system, known as the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Carolina, first team to move to a, a conference uh, semifinal. Uh, they beat New Jersey in OT last night by a 3-2 score. Jersey, a couple times in this game, were ahead, uh, but Carolina wins the series four games to one. They're killers. They are killers. Um, I don't think they're the best team left. I don't even necessarily think they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but they're killers. Carolina, with the injuries that they've had and they've suffered, um, and the fact that they're really not riding a bona fide number one, just might have the best blue line that anybody's had in a long time uh, with a bunch of guys that should be bigger stories than they are. They are by the people who know them, but they're killers. Uh, and Dallas winning at home last night, 5-2 over Seattle. Uh, the Stars now leading this series three games to two. Um, going back to Seattle, this this kind of has that feel of seven games. It kind of has that feel. I don't think it's bonafide, um, you know, absolute, but kind of feels like in the second round we might see seven games. Uh, two games on tap tonight, Florida in Toronto. The Maple Leafs staving off elimination once. Can they do it twice? Uh, and then Edmonton in Vegas, this series tied at two games apiece. Um, they may need nine to 15 games to actually figure out the winner in that one. Having said that, they only get seven. So the first one to four is going to win. Um, still like Edmonton against the field right now. Um, not as a personal choice, not as a fan. Um, just that we live in this uh, gambling-centric world, fantasy world, if you will. And if I was uh, to put shekels down on anything, that's where I would put my shekels. Uh, I would hold my nose doing it, but I, that's where I would put my shekels. <clears throat> uh, we shall get to our first guest, shall we? Uh, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years. You go all the way back to 1946. They opened their doors in Calgary. 76 years. Now, of course, they didn't have the internet back then, so there was no ski seller, snowboard.com. But 76 years, three locations, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, and Bow Ridge Road Northwest by McDonald's, just down from Windsport. Uh, an honor, a pleasure for us. Uh, first time to do this. Uh, a fan of his writing over at Daily Faceoff. Uh, he is also the uh, associate editor and prospect 
analyst. So what? who better to have on in the week in which we uh, celebrated Connor Bedard Day on Monday? Um, this has got to be, for someone like him, uh, American Thanksgiving, right? And then the draft is, is Christmas. Uh, we welcome in uh, Stephen Ellis, kind enough to join us uh, today. Mr. Ellis, how do we find you? Uh, on Twitter, uh, SLS Hockey. Right now, it's a lot of World Hockey Championship tweets, but yeah. uh, I'll also be at the Leafs game tonight, so I'll be tweeting about that. Okay. How do we find you physically right now? Are you good? That's what I meant. Are you okay? Are we getting oh. you in a good spot? I, You know what? I've, I've been coming off of a cold. I'm doing okay, I'd say. What is Everybody around here is sick. Even you're sick. You're part of the Nation Network. You're not even in Calgary, and you're sick. I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, Connor Bedard Day was Monday. Uh Thank God for tanking. Chicago finds the next great one. Um, just some thoughts uh, now with five days separation uh, on how that all shook down and and maybe even more importantly, where some of the other bingo balls fell for teams. Uh, well, you know, it, it's kind of nice to finally move on from the, the draft lottery. It's like the first time we really heard about Bedard. I think he was like 12 or 13. And, you know, that, that was quite a long time ago. So now we kind of can look at towards where he's going to go. And, and in this case, it'll be Chicago. And, you know, you, know, you lose the two franchise stars you had before in Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taze. And now you get this new one who's going to be you know, franchise changing for sure. Yeah. Um, but then you, you look at it, and to me, it's more interesting to kind of see the other teams. I feel bad for Anaheim, you know, twice yep. uh, losing that opportunity to get that first pick, first with uh, Crosby, but then now with uh, with Bedard. But, you know, you're still going to get a guy who's going to be a, a superstar in the NHL. So, you know, there's still that silver lining, I guess. Superstar or really good player? I, I'm fully on the Adam Fantilli's a superstar. Prospect. Okay. He's like, I, I've watched him probably more than I've watched Bedard, and I feel like he's a first overall pick in most years. Oh, he's that? Okay. So I go back to a, a couple of drafts ago where, uh, you know, uh, Philly and New Jersey uh, picked at the top. Kid out of Brandon. I'm blanking now. But um, anyway, uh, oh, why did I do this? <sighs> I, I, um, but anyway, last year, next year, Fantelli could have gone first overall. No question. Not okay. a question. So what's the rest of that first round like? Is, is that another plateau? I mean, is it first, is it second, and then another plateau? It's, you know, it's kind of weird. It's like this year's draft, it's, you know, I, I hesitate to use the word elite because there are a lot of flaws in the draft. There's no real good number one goalie. You know, there might not even be a defenseman in the top 10. Um, but in terms of the high-end offensive talent, you know, you're still going to be getting guys who are, are going to be huge players. You know, there's an argument to be made that Leo Carlson most of the years would be probably number two. Mm -hmm. um, Will Smith is just was an unbelievable prospect with the U.S. National Development Team. You know, breaking he became number two in, in the in the rankings um, for the U S national development team in a single season, uh, Gabe Perot number one, but like they had to go out there and beat guys like Jack Hughes, Jack Eichel, Austin Matthews. Like that's some quality talent there that it beat uh, the big wild card there being Matthew Mitchkoff, you know, depending on scout, some say he's the second best prospect in the draft. Uh, the guy that was the closest to Bedard kind of heading into this year. But, you know, just there's a lot of circumstances there that make him fall down a little bit, but I'd say, you know, top five is, is all elite talent here. Uh, but thanks to Gavin, Nolan Patrick and Nico Heischer. That's what I was trying to think of that draft, uh, where you have that interchangeable one, two, right. And clearly this isn't that. And, and number two, isn't interchangeable either. Um, let's talk about the middle of the draft because here in Calgary, that's where people will probably have their eyes around 16. You've done a mock already, but what type of player do you think could fall to the Calgary flames in that middle pack? You know, 
it's this is one where you're going to get a guy who's a top if you're going forward route you're going to get a top six forward for sure you know the guys i would look at are edward shala riley height and andrew Kristall. um Kristall was the one that i did pick going to calgary you mm-hmm. know this is a guy that from a skill perspective is one of the most talented players in this year's draft uh consistency could be an issue and he's not great defensively and that's the the issue but if you give him a reliable number one center i think he can cause havoc and so so that's what i'm looking at uh riley heights another one where a lot of people probably thought he could have been a top 10 prospect at the beginning of the year, kind of fell off a little bit, but you know, he was still one of the biggest reasons why Prince George was a relevant team, in the WHL this year after years of, yeah. of missing the playoffs or just getting out in the first round. And, uh, and then I also do like Edward Chala. I think a guy that I might have higher than a lot of people, uh, at number 14, you know, just inconsistency plagued him this year. Um, but you could see those glimmers of games where he could just absolutely take over. And I think that's a, good sign because you know when he's playing against men at 18 years old that's already tough alone and he had to do that the whole season but against his own age group very few players could compete with him so those are the three guys i think i'd be aiming for right now if the were to go positionally and try to grab a defenseman now that may involve them moving back or moving them up but who might be in that area if they were looking at the blue line see that's the that's the issue with this year's draft. It's like, it's, you don't, if you really need a defenseman, uh, you go like, it's, I don't know if there's a guy that really will make you too excited, but okay. the one that I would say maybe to keep an eye on there would be uh, Dmitry Simashev, uh, played in the KHL this year. Uh, didn't love him in the first half of the season, you know, um, but his late season play really grew on me. Uh, played really well in the MHL playoffs. Um, so he'd be kind of the one I look for, but you know, I just, I, this feels like kind of a, be like a reach to be getting a defenseman of that pick just because right. there's no one that I think could really be a, a huge game changer there. Okay. And, and the requisite, if you're going down the road, do we see a goalie sneak into this first round? When I asked scouts about that at the NHL uh, or the under 18s last month, uh, most of them said no. And when I asked who the top goalie would be, I got like five different answers. Okay. So no, I don't expect it. Uh, I, I think we could see two to three in the first or in the second round, like Trey Augustine out of the States, Carson Bjarnason, a Canadian and, 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 you know, ch- chance that well i should say michael rabbi will be probably the first goalie taken but there's a chance that that slovak goalie adam gayon from the world juniors could be drafted up high uh those are the guys i'd be looking for but you know realistically i don't think we'll see a goalie so so how far down into this draft is the depth i mean is the second round strong is you know will this creep into the third round i mean those are all kind of you know sliding scale questions because now with 32 teams right they prolong these these rounds a little bit but how how deep is this draft in terms of the talent i'd say you know it, it probably this the second round you're still getting a guy who could be a really quality player okay. um like one name to keep an eye on there would be casper halton uh, out of finland where you know some scouts would tell you he's got top 10 potential. Others will say, you know, might not even be a second round prospect. It's just a wide range on there. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of guys like that. There's so many wild cards. The thing to keep in mind is when you're drafting, a lot of it you're just projecting what the long term is and not what the player is right at this exact moment but that's all you can really go off of at this point uh i think you know you're probably got a good maybe 65 like the top 65 top 70 are all pretty good guys that i think have a good shot at making the nhl but uh i you know this year i don't think we're going to see a ton of like sixth and seventh round steals gotcha to, uh, per se. gotcha let's go back up to fantelli because you've written about him you have an article on him right now he's over at the world hockey championships Tell us a little bit, because again, living in the shadow of Connor Bedard, it's about now that we start to learn about these other players. So tell us what we need to know about him. 
But right now, he's on the second line with Canada at the World Championship. And as you were introducing him, he just missed a really good scoring chance. <laughs> uh, he's he's been playing he's been playing really good though for uh, given the situation there. But you know, this is a guy that I've I've been able to watch in his minor hockey days, growing mm. up in the Toronto area, and um, you know, talking about being in the shadows of Bedard. You know, in the in the year, like, there was a potential that he could have gone exceptional status to the OHL uh, the same time as Shane Wright, and they played against each other, and it was all Shane Wright all the time. But you look at Fantilli and just what he was able to do, and he was physically dominant against guys that were almost two full years older than him. Right. And you know, he ha- isn't this massive player right now physically, but he's still got the strength, he's got the skill. You look at him in the NCAA this year, and we've seen very few freshmen play as well as him. The only other freshmen to win the Hobie Baker are Paul Correa and Jack Eichel. And I'd say those two players turn out to be pretty good players. Um, So kind of just what we've seen from him, it's just, you know, it's close to the complete, complete package. And, you know, the brains are there, the skills there. Uh, He, he got into a fight in the NCAA. You never see that happening. So he's just kind of like, he's the guy that you will build a team around kind of like Connor Bernard. Has he made a determination if he's going back or is he waiting to see what happens at the draft? Uh, he told me that he will be planning. Uh, he hasn't made the decision yet, but I, if I had to guess, he will be in the NHL next year. I don't know if he's got anything to to gain in the NCAA next right. year. Like maybe go out and get eighty something points, but uh, just the way he's playing, like I, I don't see it. Anybody left at the University of Michigan? Like it's been a <laughs> it's been a good couple of years for them in terms of drafting. Well, the Blackhawks are going to like uh, Frankie Nazar as soon as he kind of gets back to full health. You know, guy that yeah. should have done great things this year but missed almost the entire year. Um. Just uh, we'll move on beyond the draft here in a second, but just a couple other things. And and part of it is because I, I did see you talk about this and I think it was on your social. I'm always fascinated by guys that were skipped over or guys that are reentering. How much or do we know yet how many of those types of players will reenter, be part of this draft this year? And what role will they play? I think the only guy that we know that will be going that has been drafted that will go back in is Benjamin Goudreau. Okay. And he was a guy that, you know, when he came onto the OHL scene, it looked like he was probably an NHL starter, like guaranteed and things did not really work out for him in Sarnia. Um, like he's, he had some good runs, but not enough to go out there and, and, and be the guy everyone kind of wanted him to be. And it wasn't the starting goal at the world juniors, for example, but I think, you know, he could still be someone that'll get picked and will be something of, of value. Um, but in terms of that, you know, I think it's still too early to kind of find out what that is. Um, the one guy, there, there's some guys in the OHL boo. Okay. Who would be uh, a really good player that that's going in for a second time. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's still kind of up in the air to see how teams are looking at it. The thing to keep in mind is these players were still part of the group that were really affected by the COVID shutdown, when, yeah. especially the OHL players who yeah. lost an entire year. Uh, and some of those guys are, are ones that are going to come out and, and come shining. Back to, you were talking a little bit about Shane Wright and exceptional status. Bedard is the first Western League player with that. Um, Is it easier now? Because exceptional status seemed to be for the longest time, you know, a rarity once every five or six years. It just seems we have that conversation a lot more. Has that, that process or that trigger, whatever we want to call it, is that become a little bit watered down? No disrespect to Shane Wright, but... He's not Connor Bedard or or Connor McDavid or anything of that caliber, right? 
the one thing I'll say about Shane Wright, having watched about 50 of those games that he played in his OHL draft year, was no question he deserved it. He had like 150-something points, one of the best um, seasons. He truly was affected okay. by that last COVID year. Yeah. Um, in terms of exceptional status, you know, we, we start to hear kind of about it every couple of years now. Um, the one to, that we, we would likely see another one coming to the WHL in the next couple of years, and that's Mickey DuPont's son. Mickey DuPont, uh, former NHLer, Spangler Cup kind of yeah. superstar. Yeah. Um, and his son's looking like the real deal out there in the West. So, um, you know, it, it's still really hard to get. You know, a guy like Jack Hughes and Adam Fantilli weren't qualified for that. And you look at those quality players. So right. it's still it's still a high bar you got to raise. But I think we hear more players that are in the discussion on an annual basis because of just the talent we keep seeing. So last one, and, and we'll move on to the world championships. And it's you'll get, you know, as you get to know me, I'm going to ask you really weird stuff. Uh, but I waited this time. I didn't ask it off the top. <laughs> um, because it was a tanking year, if we can call it that, you have some teams with a whole bunch of picks and some teams with a whole bunch of high picks. Is there any scenario in which you could throw a boatload of picks at Chicago and load them? Because they've got a whole bunch of picks beyond that number one pick. Like That's a lot of picking they're going to do this year. I mean, you know. Take Arizona, for instance. If you threw everything Arizona has, 13 picks at Chicago, I believe that would give them 23 picks in the draft. Anybody doing anything like that? Is there any way of at all of wresting that player away from Chicago? That'd be fun, wouldn't it? It I would mean, be. I, you know, I, I just I don't see how it benefit the Blackhawks. You know, they've got six picks in the first two rounds this year. If anything, they're going to be selling off the picks. Not, right, yeah. Not no, exactly. So, yeah, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't see it happening. I think they're going to... They're going to keep a dart. I don't know. Unless, you know, the Oilers are saying, we'll give you McDavid. Otherwise, I don't see that. Yeah, no, me neither. But I, but we do have a couple <laughs> of teams with, you know, like a, a just a, a whole mitt full of picks, right? They, they were in it just like Chicago was. Um, there's some interesting, like, you know, Arizona, Chicago, it will be beyond just one, their overall f- first pick. They should be able to come away with two or three or four players that should be playing for them in two or three years. Yeah, you know, the Blackhawks have, you know, one of the best young prospect cores. And, and, and you know, give credit to, to Columbus and Anaheim, too. E, both of them, I'd say, like, I mean, maybe the three of them have top five, top ten um, prospect pools. So, um, you know, the Blackhawks, they sold off knowing that this was definitely going to be a big possibility. And if they didn't get him, they were still going to likely get a guy that could play next year, like Carlson, like Fantilli. So yeah. it, it was going to work out no matter what. But, you know, when you when you got two first-round picks and, and four second-rounders, plus a ton of picks in the last couple of years you know you're gonna have a team that should be pretty competitive pretty soon and actually credit to our producer gavin he brings this up and i should have asked this before are we worried about what's the temperature in terms of drafting russians right now all things considered double hf you know situation and and the war in the ukraine you know, last year wasn't really a big issue like a lot thought. This year, the the added issue of, you know, Michkov's contract um, being long-term in the KHL is definitely uh, a big concern there. So it's, you know, depending on who I've talked to, some say, you know, he'll still go top three. Some say they'd be shocked if he's if he's in the top ten. Really? It just, a lot of teams are, it's kind of the thing I'm getting here is that teams are trying to psych each other out. Yeah, okay. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, there's, there's yeah, some yeah. smoke, there's some fire, but a lot of the time it's just, you know, I, I think teams are just kind of just trying to get into to everyone's heads here. But, you know, the team, it, every, it, let's say uh, Mitchkoff goes six, four of those teams are going to be looking back and saying, uh-oh, we made a mistake. Yeah. I just, you know, he's that talented of a player. Um, let's turn our attention to the World Hockey Championships or – 
as some would call it, the NIT of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, what do we got in terms of prospects playing over there this year that we should pay attention to? Not a lot, but the the ones we got are, are really good. You know, you got Adam Fantilli, uh, Leo Carson, uh, so those two potential top three picks, and then uh, David Reinbacher for Austria. I expect him to be a, a top pairing defenseman on that team, and uh, so he'll be playing a lot of minutes. Um, those are the three in terms of you know like the NHL prospects. You look at Matt Coronado. I know yep. fans will be happy to hear that he was probably United States best player, and he got robbed of a goal that should have counted. Yeah, I, I don't that. know how they didn't, <laughs> um, but yeah, he he scored and, and they called it a, a goalie interference. It's like nope, that that was not goalie <laughs> interference. Lane Hudson, uh, you know, already seeing him um, making some good moves there with Coronado to to make things work, but. Um, you know, also it's it's been weird kind of seeing Milan Lucic on the top line for Canada. He's he clearly isn't kind of keeping up the pace, but Mackenzie Weger is a big reason why Canada's winning six nothing right now, and this is his first men's world championship game. So yeah. you know, I would say this, Calgary. I know you guys would rather be in the playoffs, but there's a lot of good players playing in this tournament. Yeah, and, and that's always been kind of the uh, you know uh, the the booby prize, if you will. You know, you get a chance to see these guys and where they fit and everything, and and. I mean, I go back way back on this, but there's there's some players that have gone to that tournament that have come back as better players. Doesn't always happen that way, but they get that opportunity to play with better players or different roles and things like that. Are there many potential free agents in this tournament? I mean, we talked about the draft eligible kids, but are is there a lot for scouts to watch this year? I asked uh, I asked somebody who was over there. I'm like, who who should we really be keeping an eye on? And they are like, nobody. Um, <laughs> nobody. nobody. <laughs> Nobody that has kind of been like really kind of seen as as someone heading into this tournament. Uh, Matthias Neiderberger, though the German goalie, has mm-hmm. been playing really good against Sweden, and he's got he's really been good against NHL quality talent in this tournament year after year. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't come over at this point, but uh, you know this year it's kind of like a it's weird because this year really matters in terms of the Olympic seating, mm-hmm. um, but in terms of uh, the actual NHL quality players and, and the guys you really need to watch, it's kind of not there this year. You mentioned Germany. Just, uh, I mean, arguably maybe the best player in the playoffs right now is, is Dreisaitl. Um, what are we seeing from that country? Are, you know, are we going to see more picks coming in the few, in the next couple of years, high draft picks from them? Or, or have they kind of depleted that high-end talent for the, sh- the, you know, the short term? I, I think they've kind of hit that peak already. Yeah. Um, you know, when they had with the cider, they had um, Paterka, they had all those guys, Stutzel. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like some great quality players, but you know Germany just got relegated at the U18s, um, which was not a good sign. That team just could not score, uh, and their world junior team's not at the same level anymore. So it's it's kind of it's going to be a few tough years, I think, for the Germans. But they, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they can get those guys to keep coming back for these international events because they've got the skill and they got the the hardworking depth and some good goaltending at this tournament every year. But they just you know need their stars to show up. Well, you wonder. I mean, if we got back to best on best at the Olympics. You, you wonder how much Germany kind of jumps up in that conversation. Do they pass Switzerland? No, I, I, I don't know, actually. That, that could, that's a tough one. You know, Switzerland, it's just when they, they don't need star power to be good. They're mm-hmm. kind of like the Finns, which mm-hmm. are like when Finland won the World Championship in 2019, they did it with no NHL players yep. when Canada had a full NHL team out there. Yep. Um, Switzerland's kind of just this hardworking group, but they haven't had anyone outside of, um, you know, Nico Hischer kind of come in and be a huge difference maker. Um, while Germany's had a, a couple in a short span that are, are definitely spread out around the lineup. So I'd say, you know, they, they probably could beat the Swiss. I'd say they're kind of like if Canada, Finland, Sweden, USA, 
uh, Czechia are all there. You know, Germany and Slovakia are pretty close at this point. Um, and just a thought, and rightfully so, they're not there, but neither Russia or Belarus in the tournament and won't be for a while. How has that impacted the games? I mean, we've gone through a World Juniors now without the, without them. Uh, what has it done to international competition by removing those two teams? Oh, I think, you know, across the board, um, and don't take this as me saying uh, I want them back. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But across the board, it's definitely hurt the quality of hockey. Um, you know, the uh, the Women's World Hockey Championship, I was at that tournament. They would have probably been better than France or Hungary. Um, and then, you know, you look at the men's tournament where Canada doesn't have a lot of tough games. Like their toughest opponent might be Czechia in the very final game. Um so Russia there would have made things a bit more interesting. Uh, the World Juniors, that's definitely been a, a downgrade without them. But uh, it's, I guess it just is what it is. Yep. But it, it, yeah. feels, it feels like we're being robbed of Michikov's like, golden international hockey years. And that's that sucks. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the World Women's. If I, I'd love to take the opportunity to pick your brain on one of my favorite topics because she's a friend of mine, but she also coaches here. I think the world of Carla McLeod is a hockey coach. Not as a women's hockey coach, as a hockey coach. You had a chance to watch her. Any thoughts on uh, what she's been able to do with Team Chechia the last two years? I did not expect that the Czechs to go out there and, and win bronze, um, but she just like they, they, they that team just played such a North American style of hockey. Will grind you down. There's got the speed. They were you know as physical as you can get. And you know talking to, to, to more of the experts there mm-hmm. that, that follow women's hockey more, and they're all just like she's she's the future of the game she's like one of the best coaches out there and and a lot of people are saying like she should be doing national teams at the men's level so uh be interested to see what she could do there but you know the czech team just continues to amaze me in some of these tournaments where you know they don't have a ton of star talent but they'll just go out there and make you work for it and we saw that uh, at this year one of the things she's done is allowed the world to watch her work i mean that mm-hmm. we've been inside the dressing room she's she has no problems coming to a coaching clinic and talking exactly what they've done um i i find it refreshing quite honestly i find it somewhat refreshing that it's a player focused you know, kind of an empowering coaching style rather than what we're used to, especially from men's hockey. Yeah, and, and she was very insightful with all the conversations I had with her at the tournament. It's just like, you know, some of the, you get a lot of coaches that don't want to tell you a lot or keep it very simple, but she's telling you her thought process. She's giving you all the, mm-hmm. the, the, why she decided to go with certain lineup moves and things like that. And then you saw the videos that W Jeff did where you could kind of, she was mic'd up and you got to hear what she had to say. So uh, it, it's just like a, a real new, new school coach that with new uh, world thinking. And you see again, the success that checks have had already with her. It's a new world, but, uh, and it, listen, I did an event with her and she was asked a question if she, she had any interest in coaching in the NHL. And she said, no, she just wants to coach the highest level of women's hockey. Having said that, I have, said on this program that if I'm the, the new gen, general manager of the Calgary Flames, I'm talking to her. Um, I think she should be uh, interviewed by uh, NHL teams or American Hockey League teams or whatever. Do you agree with that approach? Absolutely. Um, you know, a good coach could coach anything. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like you'll, you'll when you see like a, a coach that will go to the AHL or, or junior hockey and they'll have come from like a junior A level or something like that, you know, you you're still – the game doesn't necessarily change. 
And if you know how to coach on one level, you should be able to coach on many other levels. And I think with her, just again, just the Czechs are not a super powerful women's hockey nation on pure talent alone. And a lot of the times they're having to rely a lot on their goalies, but mm -hmm. their job is to make everyone's life miserable. And that's something that she's able to do. So she gets a lot out of a team that might not necessarily be the third best team every single year. So I 100% think that she should be looked at for some NHL gigs. And, you know, I, I get maybe not want to go to like the AHL or something like that. Yeah. But I think that yeah. she's got she's got a good future or at the very least, you know, have her more involved on, on the men's national team side. Yeah, it's I, I don't, I'm not 100. I'm sure there's a story there. But how how do you win two medals with this country and not find your way coaching this country? Yeah, it's yeah. But they've got their own problems. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm impressed. She's she's a great yeah. coach, and a lot of the biggest hockey minds seem to really trust her. Um, you are in the center of what I'm assuming is a tension convention. Um, care to tell us a little bit of what you know where you are in Toronto, what it's like heading into this game against the Panthers tonight? Like I'm literally in the center of the storm because I'm a two minute walk away from the arena. Um, so I, I will be there tonight for the game uh, for daily face off. And, you know, I'm looking forward to it, but it's, it's something where everyone's nervous. And I think a lot less nervous than going to game four, where it just seemed like anyone talking about it or the mood in the media, the mood on the radio, whatever. It just, no one had any faith in this group right now. I think it's a different story, but you know, still cautiously, uh, optimistic here. You're still going with essentially what is your third goalie. Yeah. Um, you know, Matthew Nyes was a very positive force for that team that's not in the lineup uh, due to injury. So you're not at full strength here. But, uh, you know, Austin Matthews, I, I feel like he's got to be playing injured at this point. You know, he's not been the same. And, he, you know, the players are still quick to say, like, he's had these impacts in these other ways, but obviously not putting the pucks in. Um, so it's not a, a Toronto group that's, like, I don't know, super confident right now. But from seeing from morning skate today, all the players themselves are pretty relaxed. They're just like, you know what? We got to do what we got to do. Take one game at a time. And, uh, you know, they obviously don't want to be in this spot right now. But I think, you know, that's also good motivation. You got to play must win hockey uh, if you're going to win the Stanley Cup anyway. So here's a good time to try that out. Can you tell me why Matt Murray's not playing? I'm not. Again, I, they said he's healthy. I I don't know how true that fully is. It's okay. a guy that, okay. but you know, at the same time, you know, he hasn't played since April 2nd. So that would still be a long time to kind of rush him back in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot was made about his acquisition. Right. And I think at the time it was four times like this, right? Not, not saying he was going to be injured and then come in, but you know, you wanted his experience in Pittsburgh for these time, this time of the year. Um, it, it is an interesting group from afar because it, it, it always feels like it's, one step away from the banana peel and not necessarily by its own doing just the way that it's covered to your point. Like, you know, everybody was off the bus a couple of days ago. Now they're back on the bus. It's, it's gotta be mentally draining for that squad. Yeah, and I have a Blue Jays game to go to on uh, what's supposed to be Game Seven, so you know I, I'm, I'm <laughs> watching that with some interest there. But uh, you know, it's it, it's it's a city that reason dies with with Toronto Maple Leafs, and mm -hmm. it's you know. Everyone wants the best for this team in the city and you see kind of what's happened or, or lack of what's happened in the last 20 years. Basically, since I've followed hockey, they have never been able to make it out of the, the first or second round. And, for, you know, there was all that optimism after winning that first round. And it was like, is that enough? Would that be enough to make the fans happy and, you know, look forward to the future? But no, it, it shouldn't be. You want to keep moving forward. And um, the Panthers are a team that the Leafs should be able to beat. And, uh, you know, just a ton of mistakes. You could look at the stats and say, you 
you know what? Argument to be made that the Leafs were the better team in the first and second game, but they made way too many mistakes, and the Panthers are a team that will make you pay for that and you know, see what's what's happened in the series. So uh, defensively has been an issue. Um, yeah. Goaltending was not great in the, the first couple of games, and I think that kind of those concerns weren't weren't there in the last game. So you just got to copy and paste that effort. Is, you know, in the first three games, did Florida throw something at Toronto that they hadn't seen before? Uh, a four check. I don't know. <laughs> it was kind of like just the, the thing that Florida was just doing really well, was just getting in the way yeah, and, and yeah. walking shots and poking pucks away. And the Lister has been a good, a good example there, but you know, for as much as been made about Toronto's core not scoring, uh, Barkov's got one goal, uh, Kachuk's got zero. Yep. It's like their core's not doing a lot either. So it's not like it's just one side or the other, but it's just Florida is just is making Toronto pay for their mistakes. And, you know, Toronto, it, it's weird because you think Tampa Bay, that's a team that should be able to do that well. But it looked like the Leafs just got too comfortable in their own zone against Tampa. And that just won't work against Florida, a team that's been playing must-win hockey for a couple months now. It, it's clear to me, and, and you're closer to it than I am, but I'm, I'm watching from all the way back over here. It's clear to me this series now at this juncture is on the back of Bobrovsky. That if he can, if he can't afford a stinker here, right? No, hundred percent. You know, again, argument to be made: the Leafs are the better team in those first two games. Yeah. If and Bobrovsky was the big difference, and right. uh, goaltending has to be better than the Leafs goaltending tonight. It's as simple as that. Carolina, any thoughts? I mean, they move on. I, I refer to them as killers off the top. The, there's two series. Not that they're indestructible or anything like that, but man, they just like the, those first two series against the Islanders and Jersey. They just look like killers. Yeah, that they were the team that I picked to win the Stanley Cup originally at the start of the year. I, as a, like a coward, I changed to Boston heading into the playoffs. But you know, with the Hurricanes, it was just I, I didn't expect them to you know be this good with all the players they're missing. Like that's that's a group of guys that you would not expect. No. Um, you know, I think with the Devils, I think this was it just that was a wake up call for them. You look at it in Carolina just made just look, look at the way that their hurricanes got their defense to really be a huge part of their team. You look at the, the on the sc- screen right now and yeah. Burns and Gosses bear and Martinook and, and, and Slyth and like that's, those are great guys who make it so hard to play against. And you know, they, they were getting scoring depth from everywhere. And I think for me, one of the big questions was whether or not their goaltending could get the job done. Um, it, a in a situation like this, because, you know, every year it seems like Freddie Anderson's getting hurt. Kind of just, that's just right. been the, the story, sure. but you know, as long as he's staying healthy, he's still a pretty good goaltender. And that's kind of what you need to be when you've got the defense you got, which is, you know, could shut you down in any way possible and could also score. So with the hurricanes, I just, they're kind of looking unstoppable right now. Jerry, and in fairness to Jersey, and I, you know, I, I guess I'm making, I'm trying to still make a point from three weeks ago. Those first two games against the Rangers in that opening series, I said, well, that's fine. I mean, they're just learning how to lose. That's what a young team does in the playoffs. God bless them. They came back and beat the Rangers. But I, they're not going anywhere. I mean, this Jersey team is is going to be a playoff fixture for the next little while. I believe you're closer again. Yeah, well, next year you're going to get Simon Nemich and Luke Hughes full time. So that alone will make them good for a team that was as strong defensively as it was. So it's just, you know, I, for me, a big part of that is who's going to be that goalie next year. And, you know, for even when the Devils were thriving that start of the year, Vitek Vanacek's, you know, advanced analytics were not great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were there were signs that he was maybe not the guy you needed to have as your number one in the playoffs. And then you're going with a guy, Nikira Schmid, who, you know, should have been the AHL. So um, it's, it'll be interesting to see who that number one is next year, but, you know, up front, they've got, you know, Jack Hughes at his, 
is starting to peak and that's good to see. And then that defense is just as good as it is. So I, I think there's a really good future there for the Devils. Would you go out and get a goalie if you were New Jersey? See, that's the, the problem. It's like the the free agent market sucks. And then what do you do for the trade? Like, can you somehow maybe get one of Boston's goalies? Maybe. But, you know, it's, it's well, just... you can't afford to pay both of them at some point. Yeah, you're, you're going to run into some issues there. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, well... And, and see, Boston could move on from one of those two guys. And they got one of the best AHL goalies in Brandon Boosie. So right. it's like, that's a great situation to be in. So um, I think, you know, maybe a look there. But just it's it's you don't want to overpay for goalies either. We see kind of how, how fickle that market is every single year. Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, any thoughts on out West before I let you go here? I mean, uh, I know <laughs> some of these games are ridiculously late where you are, but uh, you know, Dallas is in, in the lead and, and Vegas and Edmonton are right at each other's throats. Yeah. That both series have been fun. You know, they, for, given how much we've seen of these blowouts in the, in the second round, it's been interesting. The Vegas and, and, and Oiler series truly feels like a war. And I think that's kind of been fun. You don't know what you're going to get on a given night. You've got guys swinging sticks. Like it's the eighties and your Billy Smith and, and seeing what you're doing out there. And then you look at Dallas and Seattle, two teams that play very similar brands of hockey. So, you know, it's, you know, I, I think maybe the second round is getting a bit more heat than in, deserves but i i've enjoyed what i've seen he he in terms of just the quality like yeah yeah like just like we're, we're not we're seeing a lot of blowouts it's like i, I made a, a joke earlier on twitter today it's like man i wish the 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 playoffs were like this this czech slovakia game we were watching where we five goals in the first period was just absolutely wild but you know it's it's been pretty solid hockey when you look at it. and the fact that it's you know every night it seems the momentum changes is a good sign i just think we have short-term memory because every year we say the same thing oh you'll oh, never yeah. get a better series this you know better first round than we've had and then the second round is just ugh, compared to but you you just beaten the crap out of each other for seven games and you're thrown right back into it so it shouldn't come as now it becomes the war of attrition right like now it becomes who can stay healthiest and and who keeps the critical guys in the lineup maybe it's a hot take but i think the playoff is playoffs are way too long i think it'd be almost more fun to see teams have to be really good in a five game series uh, and then maybe the quality of hockey would kind of pick up near the end, but that's that's just a hot I, take. I don't mind that take. Um, we know why it is what it is, yeah. and and quite honestly, uh, I'm sure there's some owners that would like to play best of nines. Um, yeah, no. But we're we're seeing it here with the Wranglers in the American Hockey League playoffs, right? Like they lost to Coachella Valley last night, and they chose to play the first two at home and the next three. And I like that idea of a choice. Like I like mm-hmm. that idea of saying to a team, okay where do you, what do you want to do here? Right? Like now, you know, if, if Calgary's going to win this series against Coachella, they got to win one at, one at home or three or two on the road. Right. Um, that would be a fascinating experiment in the NHL. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's especially when you look at this Toronto series where they've had so many like two to three day breaks. It's like, that's ridiculous. We could just continue to speed this thing up. It's like, this, yeah. if this series goes seven games, that's three weeks of hockey. Right. And then we still got to go to the next round. And and then go to the next. Yeah, no, I know. God bless television. Uh, I really appreciate this, sir. Um, just give us a little sense because we are just a little over a month away from the draft. You are, after all, the prospect analyst for DFO. What should we look for daily face-off and, and your coverage here as we get closer and closer to Nashville? I'll have a lot more prospect profiles. I'm trying to aim to get as many uh, first round prospect stuff as I can. And, you know, a lot more stuff like deeper things like, you know, re-entry players, uh, guys that could be late round steals, a lot more on the goalies and going to have a final 
Uh, I don't know the number yet, but a, a very long final draft list at some point, too. Wow. So is somebody going to come? You talked about the depth of this draft. Is somebody going to get passed over in this draft, get that free agent invite, and, and maybe make it? Oh, I happens every year. Doesn't it? I, I, yeah. Oh, it happens every year. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Hey, listen, Stephen, thank you so much for doing this. I uh, appreciate it. Love reading your stuff. Uh, obviously, it's a very exciting time uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks and their fans. But thanks for spending some of it with us today. Yeah, thanks so much. Stephen Ellis, he is the associate editor and prospect analyst for Daily Faceoff. Joining us, ski seller, courtesy of the Ski Seller Snowboard, uh, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary, three locations, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, Bow Ridge Road Northwest. By the way, not just skis and snowboards on sale right now. You can get some pretty warm clothing there, too. Some clothes in there. Uh, coming up on the program, Monday, uh, Flames alumni, Stanley Cup champion, Colin Patterson, Ryan Pike. Wednesday, oh, oh you're in for a treat. Oh, my gosh. Um, this is, this is kind of like when Muhammad Ali met Elvis. Uh, Danny Hostin is going to host, and Peter Marr is going to be one of his guests. I'm looking forward to that. And then I will be back on Friday next week for Craig Button and Eric Hatchuk. We might talk about some baseball. Uh, Oodle Noodle Studio, that's where we are. We bring the heat. Try the butter chicken mac and cheese Kung Pao Noodles Bangkok Pad Thai Classic. Vegetarian and gluten-friendly options. Uh, Pick up and delivery. Two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. Are you you good or you want me to? It's up to you. I can buy some time. It's up to you. I'm ready to go whenever you are. All right, well, let's go. Uh, Are you? Okay. 100%. Our next guest brought to you by, of course, Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. This will be much more interesting next Wednesday when he reads it. 76 years in Calgary. That's all you need to know. Danny Austin from Post Media, kind enough to join us. Uh, he basically runs this show now. Um, how are you? I'm good. I want to lead with one question. When you said that me and Peter Marr were Muhammad Ali meeting Elvis, Peter is both, right? He is both the Muhammad Ali and the Elvis in that situation. Oh, no, you're Elvis. I'm Elvis? Elvis. Okay. Like, I'll take it. Pete's the world champ, right? Yes. And yeah. Bonafide world champ. But, dude, I mean, you make the ladies swoon and, oh, yeah. and you know, all those Elvis things. Just don't eat any peanut butter and <laughs> banana sandwiches. That's all I would ask between don't now and then. Don't make me sing on air. No, we won't make you sing on air. Would you trade me the first pick if you were Chicago if I gave you all 13 of my picks in Arizona, which includes two first-rounders and a second-rounder? No. Well, hold on now. Let me just let me just lay this out. You as Chicago already have an extra first rounder, so that would give you three first round picks. You have four second rounders. That would give you five second round picks and I believe seven third round picks. Because you would have twenty three picks in total. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have Connor Bedard. You wouldn't have Connor that's, Bedard. No, that's the but thing. but you could have a whole bunch of really good hockey players. Yes. Um I mean I'm honestly a believer that you don't want too many 18-year-olds in your system or, or 19-year-olds. <laughs> you, um, you have 23 of them. <laughs> yes, I think that's too many to be developing at the same time. All right. Um, I'm also just a believer that when it comes to, you know, and this is, to be honest, across sports, if you can get a generational talent, you get the yeah. generational talent. And that's, I mean, it's all, honestly, for me, it's like, it's a fun question, but there is nothing that you could, other than there is, sort, Connor McDavid. You, if you gave me Connor McDavid. But not I, Leon Dreisaitl. If I offered no. you Leon Dreisaitl, Straight up, if I offered you Leon Dreisaitl for Connor Bedard, the first overall pick. Are we assuming that the Oilers win the Cup this year or not? 
I'm just saying right now in this moment, and I think right now in this it's moment, would you, not, would you not make the case that Leon Dreisaitl is the best player right now? I'm not saying forever or all, or all season or whatever, but I thought a week ago Matthew Kachuk could have that title. Yep. And we all know that Connor McDavid's going to be that at some point or is that. But right now, is anybody playing better than Dreisaitl? I have absolutely no issue with Anyone who would make that argument. I mean, my argument is always going to be McDavid is the one who scares sure. me the most. Yeah. On any given shift, he's the one who I still feel can change the game faster than any a- anyone, including Dreisaitl. But, like, look, if you want to tell me Leon Dreisaitl is the best player in the world, well, what's the, this? He looks like a pissed-off maniac. Yeah. Right? With like, his ankle not hurt this year, he's just he's on he's a different just... level and was arguably the best player in the playoffs last year. Right. Um, so, right. I mean, yeah, he's... But you wouldn't trade him for Connor Bedard? It's an interesting question. Um, how old is Dreisaitl? 26? 26. Gavin's going to jump yeah. here in a second. You're giving a, you're giving up a bunch of years there. So for me, no, I still want <laughs> Okay, I like this one. Thanks, Gav. I like this one. Would you trade Connor Bertard for McKinnon, McCarr, and a first rounder? Yes. <laughs> of course I would. Yes. Okay, he's uh, 27, great, he, by the way. So, okay. so Dreisaitl's 27. So yeah, so that's the thing. I mean, you're giving up nine You're giving years. up a decade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, that's where, where Bernard... And even if Bernard doesn't reach those levels, um, he's still going to be a perennial all-star year in, year out. He's, you know, if we ever get back to the Olympics, he'll be an Olympian. He, he, he's one of those guys. So even if Absolutely. he doesn't hit that McDavid level, you're still getting 10 years of, of that quality player. Um, so for me, that's no brainer. But yeah, look, if you're giving me Kale McCart and Nathan McKinnon and the... First rounder, did he say? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Cal McCarr is pretty special, too. He's special. He's, so. But what I was looking at was really all these tanking teams this year that collected all these draft picks, right? Yeah. And now you've got, you know, a, a, Chicago's got like 13 draft picks already or 14 draft picks. And if you were Arizona, would you just ship them all and say, we'll take your number one? Well, of course you wouldn't do it because of exactly what you said. You can't have 25, 18-year-olds or 19-year-olds in your lineup. And Lord, what if you're good? What if you draft really well and they all pop at the same time? Then what yeah. are you going to do? So they do that. Does that make Austin Matthews their first or second line center in a year or two? Who? Chicago? Arizona. Arizona? Yeah. He's, you're, why does everybody keep saying that? He I'm going, a Leafs fan, too, he's, so he's, I don't know why I'm saying He's it. not going there until there's a new building, right? Fair. Yeah. Like, he's not going to play in that. Yeah. We, just, you you know, were there, right? No, I've never been there. But yeah, Oh, I, I thought mean, you, you weren't in the small rink this I've year? I've not been to that arena, no. Okay, because I don't think it's West fa- was our guy there. I don't think it's fair to call it a dump, because it's a really nice five thousand seat arena. But it's a five thousand seat, seat, seat arena, exactly. Yeah, it's not big enough. It's not NHL quality. Um, Re- um, we haven't talked. Um, what, what thoughts on the Flames have been? You know, active. Have they ever? <laughs> There's never a dull summer. <laughs> no, in the city. just can't help themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been. It's been interesting. I, I listened to Peter on yeah. here. I obviously read Rick Bell's column. I will say that as someone who was at the arena every day, um, I just couldn't disagree with that assessment that this is young players being entitled more. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely, it was a miserable place to go yeah. most days. Um, and I ultimately, like, I nothing but respect for what Daryl has accomplished, but I do, I do think we all know that what he was doing wasn't working with yeah. this group, and they underperformed. Um and as someone who didn't grow up in Calgary and who sort of had an outsider's view of the Flames for many, many years before arriving here and, and sort of engaging with the sports scene, I mean, my impression was always that this was an organization that was content with just making the playoffs and seeing what's happened. So I I think it is refreshing when it comes to that particular component, the, the Sutter component, that no, they didn't achieve what they intended to and they're making changes. Um, now, I, I really... I just don't see how it's not Conroy as the new GM. 
I, I don't either. Um, other than, you know, if you get it in your head that it, you know, it can't be somebody who was part of the previous administration. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think that there's like, arguably the Flames underperformed over the last five to six years, mm-hmm. right? Now mm-hmm. there are there are some other factors. And I think that we know, I mean, if you look in there, there each one of them needs to be taken on their own. It's not yep. fair for me to say, but you look at, you know, Dougie Hamilton, you look at TJ Brody, Mark Giordano, Matthew Kachuk, Sam Bennett who maybe didn't ask for a trade, but is obviously performing better out there. Johnny Gaudreau, all of this. I mean, there's just been this this exodus from Calgary um, over the last six, seven years. And that, for me, is the bigger thing that they need to figure out. Is it the arena? Or is it, like, what is going on that... And no one wants to talk about it, but... I'll talk about it, yeah. because I have a... I absolutely believe that the biggest issue the next general manager has to clean up is he's got to make it so that players want to play here. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, 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 I love the internet people because, of course, they remind me of the fact that he was never coming. But what's the legacy of Brad for living if Adam Fox is a flame? Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. mean, it's a kid they drafted. Nobody else drafted him. The Flames drafted him. He maybe got drafted after. Well, he would have got drafted after, but the Flames went and got him, mm-hmm. right? But they couldn't keep him. This was not a destination he wanted to go. Say what you will about Johnny Gaudreau. He left $15 million in a year of salary 15, well, a year, which would have been $15 million on the table, and Kachuk wanted to go elsewhere. I think building is part of it. I think, you know, part of it is, you know, the captaincy issue. That should have been dealt with. It was ridiculous that it wasn't dealt with. But also, I think there's and a— And by dealt with, we mean Michael Backlund should have been the captain. Yes. Yes. Sorry. That, yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to be done a little earlier today because neither one of us are going to argue about that. <laughs> um, but I, I will say, I think you hit the nail on the head as an out, outside observer, as, a, as somebody who was on the inside. Sometimes this organization is too comfortable in the middle yeah. and, and too risk adverse, right? We don't want to alienate anybody. We don't want any, anybody mad. So you've got really kind of tepid, you know, social media. you got pictures of guys coming in, and I like the people that do it. They're just doing what they're told. But, you know, I watched this. You saw the Titans schedule video mm-hmm. uh, th- th- that kind of creativity is not this and I've seen it they did fish bird for Christ's sakes I've seen them do fun stuff but they just they're they're happy in the middle they're always happy in the middle why didn't they take Joe Ginla like you, you know what I mean and that's that's I yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but and I'm sure there's a reason and all of that but sometimes you got to go out on a limb sometimes you got to take a risk well, sometimes you got to be uh, uh, you know look at the customer's point of view and with Allowing the caveat that sometimes people misspeak a little bit. I mean, and when Tree Living stepped down and, and Maloney and Bean did that press conference, I think that the quote that really got taken and, and run with was, was John Bean saying, I'm not even allowed to say the word rebuild um, when he said that. And I think people really, really didn't like I got mad at it because I heard it out of uh, Feaster's mouth before. So it wasn't new, well, and, and it's ridiculous. It is a fact in sports. You know, in the NFL, you got to go get your number one quarterback. you got to go yep. get your number one center. You have to, and I'm not saying tank, but you have to put yourself in a position where you're losing and have a high draft pick. How many times so has this club turned, or, uh, drafted higher than fourth? Never. How many times did um, you draft fourth? Exactly. <laughs> right? And, like, and, then, and then our friends to the north drafted first four times in six years. Right? And right and, now. And look where they are. In, in right now, in the year of our Lord, 2023, how many Oilers fans are remembering how horrible it was there for six or seven years? They've forgotten it. They threw jerseys time. on the ice. Yeah. And now, but it doesn't matter anymore. And now they're going to. It does. They're oh. making all the money back. And, and But having said that, Chicago's an interesting story, too, because uh, how many fans were pissed off this year? Because mm-hmm. they were tanking. 
after, you know, yeah. Kane and Taves, right? Like that part, you can't, you know, how many Raptors fans are angry this year? That's well, it's not good for sports, but it's the reality. I mean, look at absolutely. Like, it is. I mean, look at the NBA right now. And I mean, Philadelphia, they, they did the process. They, they mm-hmm. tanked for four years and then they, you know, it didn't fully work out. That's generally the way that you build a contender in professional sports is you have to get a top one, two, three pick for several years in a row and then develop that core. But I think people, I think players, I think players and I play, I don't think there's a problem with the city. I don't think people don't like the city. No, but the city with, I live here. I've lived here for 13 years. Yeah. I've chosen as an adult to make Calgary my home. Yeah. So like, don't take this. All right. We're also not a city that, is going to be a destination because of the city. People but we have the lar- but we have the largest alumni in the entire National Hockey League. I think when people get here, they love it in general. Oh, but you're saying you're saying picking it on a map, going, I've got to go there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, makes I sense. Agree. I mean, Matthew Kachuk, like, it makes sense that he wanted to be in Florida. You know, forget all the state taxes and all that. It's beautiful all year. You Wasn't know? that was any of that connected to captaincy? And that's a fan theory. That's not a. That's not I don't a. Think we have a ground in in in. You know, I'm not. Ta- I just know that people were talking about that last year. I do think when Daryl said this year, when he was like, "You've got to remember that Matthew is American," and for two years of COVID, he was really isolated here and couldn't see his family, and that's different from. Yep, the absolutely. I think that that made a an impact. Um, fair. That's fair. Look, I've said this a million times. We in the media, we knew Matthew Kachuk was good here in Calgary, including last year. We didn't realize he was this good. No, 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 no. This is this is not this. This Matthew Kachuk could have beaten the Oilers last year. One hundred percent, right? Could have beaten because he got uh, Ma- uh, Matthew Kane, uh, uh, pa- uh, Patrick Kane, all the other Canes. Evander, that's the right Kane. He got inside of his head. He shut him down. Yeah. This year, that isn't happening to this guy. Not at all. Right. This guy could have led you. Right. And it's fascinating. I don't know what changed. Right. I mean, I don't know if it's just another year of development, another year of maturity of him gaining that confidence. But this was he is a top five NHL forward. And I don't think that we in Calgary realize that that's what he will. Right now, he will be the best player the Flames ever drafted. Not necessarily the best ever flame, but he will be the best flame ever drafted because I think, well, Neuendijk would have something to say about that because there's the Stanley Cups and stuff like that. And Vernon, the same thing. Maybe I'm a little ahead of myself, but has the potential. How about that? Has the yeah. potential to be the best flame He's ever drafted. Wonderful player, and as a again, yeah. as a guy who grew up a Leafs fan, I'm not that emotionally invested in the Leafs no, no, yeah, yeah. anymore. I would like them at one point to win a championship in my lifetime. They do, sure, um, but like I don't the emotional ups and downs. I don't suffer through, nor do I really get a ton of joy from. But like. It's hilarious what he's doing to the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Like it's even as a Leafs fan, I'm like, that's the guy I want on my team, yeah. right there. And yeah. and I look at him and and I go, Oof, boy, he could have used him last year, and he was so good last year, yeah. right? He's only one of four players to score have hundred point seasons in back to back years on two different teams. Do you know who the other? You know who the other local tie is? No, Mike Rogers. Really? Yep. Fascinating. Yeah. Please don't ask me for any follow-up Trivia? information. Yeah. Nope, nope. That's okay. Mike's coming oh, on the show here in the next little while. That's like, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And up, uh, Kale McCarr's really putting a dent in Mike Rogers is the best player ever come out of Calgary argument I have. I mean, Kale McCarr is a special, special player. Wow. Um, it, it was cool last year when he brought the cup down the bow. I, yeah. live, like, I live in Sunnyside, so it was easy for me. I just popped out. And seeing how many fans were actually out there for a player with a cup from another Yeah, from oh, another no, 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 no. That's amazing. part of the problem around here, too is that you go, there's too many other teams' jerseys and hats in this town. Um, you need to do something to combat that. I'm in, a, an, I'm in a hockey rink every weekend, 
and I watch it and I see, yep, a couple Flames hats, but here comes a Vegas hat, and here comes a Seattle hat, and here comes a Crosby hat, and here comes an Euler hat. And when I go up to watch our kids play up in Edmonton, you don't get that. Yeah, now I will say that, I mean... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I, there was one game last year where I decided that instead of, instead of driving to the Saddle Dome, I wanted to just take the LRT. Because mm-hmm. I think it's important for all of us in media to get out there with the fans a little bit and remind, <laughs> remind yourself why you're doing it. A, li- a little bit? And like, <laughs> only a little bit, though. Oh, <laughs> um, you do wow. Have to be, I, I ultimately, though, I mean, I got on and like it was. I've never, like, it, it was amazing to experience. Living in the city for as long as I had there, I think it was game one or game two against Edmonton. I forgot which one it was, but it was just like a sea of 16-year-old kids. It was all, it was kids, all in Flames jerseys, all hyped. And I was like, oh yeah, that's why we do this. That's yeah. why we do this whole thing. Because that, yeah. like, I'd never felt that local spirit outside of Stampede, which isn't really my thing. Yeah. Um, and Well, that's what a team can do, right? Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, this, go, this whole thing starts with, why not Conroy? I think it needs to be Conroy. Yeah. I think, you know, why not? I Yeah, I can come up with a reason, but it's not a, to me, and I've, I've said this well, all along, it's not whether or not Conroy's right for this job. It's whether or not this, you know, the job is right for him in, in a sense of he's, what else is he supposed to do? I'm not a gambling man, but if I was, I would put my money on Conroy with a Ginland, a consulting role um, for the next year. Yeah. He finishes out his work in the Okanagan and then again, joining as an assistant. So then that's what I would, I, and I, I, and that's not sourced, but that's, no, that's, the sense that's what I would like to see. Um, what about a coach? I don't. I mean, I, I do genuinely believe that they are like it's going to be the GM's decision. Oh no, no, I, I do, I, I do too. I know everyone. I do too. Yeah, everyone is saying Mitch, Mitch Love, and I, I do hope that he he gets a good solid look. I will say for those people who think that, you know, Mitch Love is is Mitch Love is a hard coach. He he drives. Oh no, guys. no, he's he not a. He's no, 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 no. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'd like. I mean, look, what he's done with the Wranglers is incredible. Uh, you know, knock on wood, they survive the weekend. Um, but I, I don't have that strong opinion on a coach. I mean, my thing is, to be honest, like the coach obviously matters. I'm just as interested in, like, I, I think you have to have a decision on Lindholm basically by the draft, right? 
Okay, so one back on the coach. I nearly drove off the road when one of the more popular podcasts in Canada suggested that Bruce Boudreau would be yeah, a candidate. I've yeah. heard it too. Uh, and I like Gabby. Nothing wrong with Gabby. But John Cooper's been the head coach in Tampa Bay for 10 years. Mm-hmm. In that time, there will be six coaches in Calgary. Yeah. For a myriad of reasons. Not There needs to be some stability. There needs to be the right guy and the GM picks that. Would you or would you not interview Carla McLeod? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would interview absolutely everybody, like absolutely everybody who who is qualified. Um, I, I again, I just don't think that we're anywhere near that process. No, 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 no. This is the fantasy part of the show. There is no, yeah, there is no part of me that would would say no to any any candidate. So so I I would, but no, I would. Don't give me Quinville. Don't give me Bowman. Not interested. Yeah, I mean, I think when Maloney said, I think we need young with new ideas, he was saying that in, in, in relation to the general manager, but I think that's just generally true. I think, the, and, again, back to what we're talking about, the organization needs to have that kind of... Yeah, and, and young doesn't mean that they have new ideas, right? Like, you, you can't just say, oh, they're they're young. And I, I do think that this team has a history of hiring. I mean, Glenn Gullitson, a lot of people were high on that. That didn't work out. There's, he is. It's not as if there is... A, a straight line here where you hire a young person, they're going to be successful. You've got to get it right. And you have to get the summer right. This is as important a summer as the Calgary. Which you've alluded right. to, which yes. you bring up Eric, um, Eric Lindholm. Uh, you bring up Elias Lindholm. Um, Boomer and I, at the beginning of the week, he just kind of brought it up out of the, like he, he wouldn't bring any of that seven back um, that are due next year. Right. The ones we we're well, talking about, he just blowing them all out. And I said, Lindholm. And he said, Absolutely. I, I would make said I have we asked him will you consider resigning he said I have one year left he absolutely refused to even like acknowledge that it was a possibility of resigning in my opinion after what happened with Gaudreau and Kachak if Lindholm's gone you you don't have much choice but to trade him oh no 100% and, and yes 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 and yes. you've got to do it by the draft yeah I agree with so, that and and you get value for him 100% you'll get value for him what do you do with Backlund uh, I have a conversation with Backlund, and if Backlund is sincere about, I, I try to sell him on staying. I think it's important that you have. This. I, I'm impressed. I, I don't know if you picked him up, picked up on that, but he's showing up in Flames media. He's in town. Mm-hmm. Um, he's doing community events, looking like a captain would, which he should be captain. I agree. We we are there, but I, I also like. I also think that in general, um, have a conversation, and if he is sincere about, look, I've put in my time here. I want to go chase a cup. I don't think the organization's mm-hmm. close. That's an actual just do the right thing and, and, and give sure. a loyal servant, you know, what they want. And um, I think that would be very hurtful for, for the organization. I mean, I think that they do con- continue to insist that they view themselves as contenders just with a few little tweaks here and there. Um, but, again, we can't talk about rebuilding and retooling and not consider if those guys aren't going to sign, you have to get assets back. Do you... Re, are you are we talking about the R words or whatever with Coronado, with Pelche, with Dewar, with Wolf? You know, Poirier probably not out of the gate, but seems to be trending that way. Mm-hmm. Connor Zary, although I don't think he's had a great playoff, but you know, has now you're talking about five or six young players. Is it more about infusing them into the lineup and finding space for them? In the, and I haven't given up on Matt Phillips. I, I still hope they give the kid a one-way, one-year deal and let him show if he can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're talking six, seven guys. That Can you do it that way? 
I mean, the question is whether any of them are first-line guys, right? I mean, at some point, you need that first-line scoring. That, you you uh, don't think Pelche's? You watched him up closer than I did. I watched him through a video screen. Yeah, I, I think Pelche is exciting. I think he there's a lot to his game. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that his numbers justify necessarily saying he's going to be a first-line guy. Okay. Um, now, he was also on a line with, with Lucic. I, I yeah. don't think that he was on a line that necessarily <laughs> brought out the best in him sure. offensively. Sure. I'm super high on Peltier, but like being super high on a guy does not necessarily mean I think he's going to be top 20 in league scoring right. at any point. Coronado is a guy who, you know, even in that one game, just the way he puts himself in dangerous positions, yeah. I, I, I really think that that draft pick is going to be one that we look back I, at. I do, too. I think it's a good um, pick, too. And that's a guy playing his first NHL game. Yeah. The whole thing. I mean, he's he'll have to do the work on his body, make sure he's there. But I hope that we're seeing Coronado. From, for from what it's game. worth, was, uh, we just had Stephen Elson. He was watching the Americans earlier today. said he was the best player for the Americans. I believe that. At the World Hockey Championships. Yeah. For what that's worth. And that's right? without professional coaching yet, right? So, really? Yeah. yeah. No, no, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, that's right. So I, I'm really high on Coronado. And I like, for the record, I think Peltier. I mean, if Peltier ends up being another Manjapani, um, I'm not. We're not talking about the sort of the up and down with Manjapani over the last two years. No, but, but when he's right, he's a second-line player. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think you're happy with that, Zary. I mean, you, you named the guys, and I, I mean— I'm, Am I missing anybody that's still coming? I don't know exactly who you named. I would expect Wolf— I mean, You weren't listening. A, I just said it right to I, you. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to think No, but I'm response. thinking like, like Wolf, back I or any of those things. What's that? Wolf, they have to figure out a way to make be on the NHL. So roster. Vladar's out. Think so. I think so, and I, I like him. I mean, it's you know this has been the we're talking about trends with Calgary. Awesome backups, really nice guys, yeah. good guys. Yeah. Like you know, <laughs> they're really good guys. Um, yeah, but, but I think I, you got to keep Markstrom. Yeah, and I think that you are going to start seeing those guys get integrated into it. They like you don't have any choice at this point from from a salary standpoint. No, um, in a lot of ways, and it didn't work with these veterans. This year they didn't make the playoffs, so um, I don't I don't know how you make space for all of them, and I don't think it is next year. But yeah, I would want Peltier, Dewar, Coronado for sure mm-hmm. next year, day one, assuming they have good training camps in the lineup, playing every single day. Would um, you sign Matty Phillips to a one year one way deal? I would, but if I was Matty Phillips, I would go somewhere else. Even honest. if they came, even if the new GM, the, Conroy, even if it's Conroy who's been with him the whole way mm-hmm. and pushed for him. Like yeah. he was in his corner the whole time. You think you think the local kid would say no? Look, if, if they are promising the opportunity, maybe. Well, that's what I mean. One it. way. That's I, I realistically, I'm not sure I'm offering a one way, but I'm using that one way piece to say, okay, we learned yeah. we're we're putting you there. I if I'm Matthew Phillips, I'm at the point in my career where, one way or another, I want to play in the NHL. And I probably do. You want, think he's an NHL player? Um, I'm sixty forty. Yes. Okay. Um, I will say that like I've talked to scouts mm-hmm. who have said. Although it wasn't that crazy what the Flames did this year. No, you know? no, no, um, no, 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 you know, no, 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 no. There's a lot. hockey case to be made. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, that doesn't mean, it, like, the part of me that is just a human, I mean, the part of me that's a sports reporter doesn't want to go and say, like, yes, get him in, because I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think that his size um, is could be an issue at the NHL level for sure. But this is a person. I don't know. He's, he's done the work. I want to see him rewarded with an opportunity. And, he's, and, and he's, if he fails in that opportunity, then cool. He's an AHL player. Yeah. There's lots of people who have – Great lives, great careers in the AHL. Sure. It's just like what bugs all of us, and it bugs the fans. I think it bugs people in the media is to see a guy do the work, maximize his skill set, do everything, and it just not be enough just based on size. Like that doesn't sit well. With no, me. it doesn't. It doesn't. It it doesn't. Um, 
Um, I think that's about it. Like I, I, outside of your Lindholm question, I, you know, I, I like him. I think you need to keep him, but I, you know, I'll tell you this when Boomer and I put up the social media, I was the minority. Boom was the majority was everybody, you know, the fans have this, at least the majority of the fans seem to have this will to move on from these guys. And I'm to be clear, if you can keep Lindholm, I'm on your side. Yeah. Oh, I think he's one of the best two-way centers in the league. I agree. I think you absolutely yep. should try should try to keep him. I just don't think you can. Yeah. I think I think his answers to me it was like a read between the lines, and and it was a pretty clear reading that this guy is not going to. But be didn't here. didn't you read that once Daryl got let go, all the players rescinded their trades requests? Didn't I, you read that? I, I I don't know that I. Or read did that you write that? I'm sorry. Maybe you wrote that. I. Um, <laughs> We'll see. I mean, and that's we. It is. This is why it's such an interesting offseason, and it's just it's bizarre after last year, where I remember sitting with a couple, you know, other media people having beers and being like, "Well, we survived this one. It doesn't get any crazier. Yeah, it, it doesn't get any oh. weirder than than last summer." And now, to be honest, it feels like this one could be just as significant. Um, no, it could, it, this is probably more significant than last year. I have a question for you. Just one more on the Flames, and then we will get to the Stampeders. Mm-hmm. Um, we have not talked about the announcement of a deal in principle for the arena. Mm-hmm. I've said today, and I've said on a couple of occasions, I'm a little bit taken aback that there's no champion of this right now. There's nobody from the flame side out in the community. So, you know, I, I remember Ken King with Calgary Next did as much radio and as much, you know, got in, took calls, did all of that, you know, really push, 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 push. It almost seems like they made the announcement and then they kind of walked away from it. Um, and I'm a little bit, I, I'm trying to figure this out. Wouldn't you, if you just made the, wouldn't you try to sell people on this? I'd wait until after the election. Um, is that what's happening here? I, I think? So to be clear, this is so far above my pay grade that this is, I am. There's no pay grades <laughs> here. You know that. I am, I am not speaking for anyone with the flames. What I'm saying is. No, 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 no. From, from my perspective. Yes. The second Danielle Smith tied it to the election. Yes. You're suddenly sitting there with a relatively in this city unpopular. Yes. Premier. Yes. Um, you don't want to go out there and start championing this move and, and saying, hey, vote for the UCP because that'll get us the arena built when there's a possibility the NDP is going to win and then you're on their bad side. I think with the, you know, the Bill Smith stuff, there might have been lessons learned. Yeah, I, you're probably right. That's probably a smarter take than mine. Mine is just like why you got to push now because, you know, and I'm critical of a lot of things and maybe I'm wrong about this, but they had Lanny there. They had Jamie McCown there. They had Kidzinger. Like that felt like shovels in the ground kind of announcement, not, boy, here's hoping. Uh, kind of announcement and I'm worried like you are like I said day one of the election if I'm Rachel Notley I come out and I go not only are we doing the arena we're building a football stadium have that UCP (laughs) you know wouldn't that be something (laughs) wouldn't that be something um yeah and it never happened (laughs) I mean it's like it's, it's one of those weird weird spots for any of us to be in because I fully think that there should be public debate and public conversation about the amount of money, where the money is coming Absolutely. from. Absolutely. And yet I am also still, and like that's, that's true of every, sure. of every infrastructural project and every, everything. This is not a, but no, like, no. I also just really want a new arena for this city. And, and so there's a part of me that I'm probably being irresponsible and not looking, looking at it as, as, as close. But to I, I, I got to tell you, I like the vision here, mm-hmm. you know, of, of, okay, it's going to be this and it's going to do this. And now it's going to connect the bell and, and the platform and the library. And it's going to re 
this is awesome. Okay, this I can get into. Yeah, the, the money, okay, sure. But, you know, uh, and I, I say it all the time. Whatever they spent, they spent more on, the investment is going to be greater for the uh, underpass at the airport than it will be on this. Yep. I've never gone through the underpass. Mm-hmm. But that, we need it, so we have to have it. Exactly. It's all cool. But you're right, no debate. We're not having that conversation. And I, I, I you know, I have no love for the premier but I thought she was being real honest when she said the only, you know, the only block to this is that, you know, you need to vote for us on the 29th. My jaw right? dropped. I couldn't believe she said it. But also, like, to be fair, she was being honest. She was being honest. She, yeah. Right. So, um, and yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where I think that all of us are a little bit like, A, we want an arena. Yeah. And there's a level where it's like, we don't want to wait another four or five years for another arena. So I'm supportive of there being an arena project. Yeah. And on some level... I mean, B, it's not enough for me to change what I'm voting for. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Um, but C, it's like it is because it's politicized. It's instantly just harder to talk about yep. because people on one side are going to come in and, and, and be mad at it. People on the other side are going to be mad at it for other reasons. And, exactly. And for those of us in sports media, one of the nice things is we don't have to engage in all of that stuff a lot of the <laughs> no, time. No, but, I, but, but it, I'm worried that, you know, we, we, we got all excited and then, you know, comes whatever the election result is. And if it isn't that result... Then does it go away? I mean, I imagine what happens is there are a couple more months of talks. Well, they sort a couple things out, out. And I, I like this. This feels like it's pretty close to the line. Yes, it does. But it, the last one was done at the line. It was yeah. signed at the line. The line was done. This one is such a better proposal. Than the last it is. One. No, no, no. It's it, better it, for the it, city. It, it like it, it is. And, and it, I, I don't want to do anyone's job for them. But like the the road infrastructure things, stuff like that is actually needed independent of the arena. Absolutely. So it's like, there's a very good argument for it. Um, It's just that I understand people who just say, Hey, yeah. Look down in LA where they just built a multi-billion dollar football stadium with no public money. You know, I understand people who want to say that it's just, I don't think it's realistic here. So for me, it's a non-starter of an argument. If this was an NFL facility, absolutely. But it's not. Um, Meanwhile, speaking of facilities, um, McMahon is humming again. Training camp is underway. Have you released your 50 thoughts yet? I have not. I will be working on that afterwards. Uh, I was under the impression you were going to have it done so we could talk about it. I believe, well, but we could talk about it. We could talk about literally anything. Um, Yes, we can. We've proven that. probably help with my 50 thoughts, (laughs) to be perfectly honest with you. No, my 50 thoughts will be out tomorrow. It's sort of one of my big uh, Stampeders projects of the year. It really actually helps me because it's basically 50 story ideas. But it's, you know, 100 words per thought. It's 5,000 words. goes up online. Yeah. And uh, so my promise to you earlier in the week, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no. We'll talk about that on Friday. Uh, Then, uh, yeah, things got in the way. Having said that, there's a lot to talk about with this team this year, isn't there? It's, I mean, it's, this year, I am, I I mean, I find the St. Peter's, you know, and I love it. Mm -hmm. So I find them fascinating every year. But there have been a bunch of changes. Um, I went to the fan forum a a month ago. How was Um, that? Awesome. Um, what they have done at what I guess used to be called the Red and White Club, yep. uh, now Stamps House, is is beautiful. Um, I honestly like. Basically, the Stampeders at that announced that they will be putting tarps on some of the upper sections. Yep. Um, to, and I had a lot of fans be like, "Well, you don't do it. They're not doing anything to market the team. They're just reducing capacity." It's like that's just not true. That like what Jay McNeil is doing, and I to be honest, I, I want to get him on one of the times that I'm hosting. Please, if you don't, I, I will because yeah. Jay's doing an amazing oh, job. It's amazing, and that just being in that stamps house, being in that environment, seeing the players interact, seeing Jay, seeing Dave, seeing yep. John Huffnagel, all of them interact. Um, I was just like, okay, 
this is the start of something. It felt like something new. It felt like something. Hmm. Um, it, it felt like them finally understanding the extra step that they have to go to reach out to fans in 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 today's yeah. era. And I, I I was exhilarated by it. Um, so. Yeah, I'm really excited about it, um, about this season, and I, I think it's going to look different. And I, but I think that there's an acknowledgement that something new is needed, and let's do it. Now, the other thing is going to be the on-field product, um, and I know how much it bothers them. Like, if we look at Stampeder since John Hoffnagel arrived in what 2007, 2008. Yep, 2008. Yeah. In general, the minimum that you expect from them is the West Final. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that's Absolutely. over oh, 15 years. The fact is, they haven't been in a West Final since 2018. And that bugs them. If you know Dave Dickinson, oh, awesome yeah. dude, but he is competitive. Yep, and, absolutely. And, and they have been very, very clear um, to fans that this is Greg Copper bust, which I don't think that – I think based on some of what happened with free agency, um, I, I don't think people necessarily thought that maybe this was going to be a regression year, and that's simply not true. They are highly motivated to sort of rectify what they view as being, you know, a down couple of years. So what gets in their way? Uh, I think we need to see Jake Mayer emerge as a genuine top three quarterback in the CFL. Okay. Uh, I think that in year one, um, when he filled in for Bo, his accuracy was incredible. Um, he was great, but they weren't really getting the wins in those games. But I, I think we saw Jake, and you thought, wow, this guy, this this is Bo's successor. And I largely thought he did a good professional job um, in the back half of last season, he had the best offensive line in the league by a considerable distance, which helped. He had a running game in Kadeem Carey and Diedrich Mills, which was just absolutely lights out their back. But what you need is ultimately, like, this is still a quarterback league. Yep. The Stamps are going to have the best run game. They're going to have the best pass protection. Um, but you need to see Reggie Bagleton, who they really misused last year. You need to see Jake get him involved. You what do you to... mean misused? I just don't think they gave him the ball nearly enough. Okay. Honest, I, think, I think Reggie Bagleton could very well be the best receiver in the CFL. And last year... He was often their third, maybe even fourth option in some games. Um, and that is something that John Huffnagel, in his postseason press conference last year, said, we got to figure out a way to use Reggie better. Um, so Was that a criticism of the coach? Or was that so. a, yeah. yeah, I think to a certain extent. Yeah, they also switched quarterbacks midseason. Yep. So, yep. you know, there, was, there were a lot of learning on the go. Um, but for me, honestly, I think that the defense, there's a couple questions I have in the defensive backfield, but... Mm -hmm. Every CFL team has sure. questions in the defensive backfield. And, you know, I'm just, I feel like I'm just sort of going topic to my topic. But what happened with the defensive backfield last year is one guy after another got hurt. So all these rookies who were on the practice roster got moved into starters roles and then they got hurt. So they now have a couple guys with four or five games of experience going into year two that they normally wouldn't have. So it actually has potential to be extremely high end, young, athletic, with a little bit of experience, which I'm excited about. The loss of Jameer Thurman at linebacker really. Mm -hmm. not only, like, honestly disappoints me. Uh, Jameer, there's no one I respect more than Jameer Thurman in the CFL. I, I think yep. he's just a terrific leader, an amazing man, um, and I loved covering him. Um, but, you know, they've, they, they've got experienced replacements, and, and Cam Judge has been there for a year. So I, I think the defense is good. I just need to see Jake Mayer. You need a superstar quarterback in this league. Yep. You just do. Is the defense a defense that's going to swarm and, and get to quarterbacks, or is it going to be containing? So last year you had Sean Lemon, uh, who you know was second in the league in sacks. Um, the criticism of Sean Lemon has always been that his like the way that he plays on the run isn't quite as good. I, I think that's a little bit unfair. I think Sean Lemon has been in the CFL for a long time and is about to get 100 sacks and deserves to be spoken as, of as a superstar. He's gone. They brought in they brought in Hauser. 
I believe that's how I pronounce his name. That's the first time I've had to say it on air. Who <laughs> is a you know CFL East Division All Star? Um, who? So look, I, I don't know that much about him truthfully, other than that he's got a pedigree that that speaks for itself. And then he brought in James Vodders, who man, like James Vodders in 2018, he was the backup to Cordero Law, but like ev- Cordero Law was an All Star or should have been an All Star. Yep. Um, and then Vodders went and got couple years in the NFL. We didn't realize how good James Vodders was. He's back. He may be, I mean, he could be a top one or two defensive end in the league. You got Mike Rose in the middle, Derek Wigan in the middle, have been there for a couple years, are absolute beasts. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna get to quarterbacks. Um, they're going to stop the run. I, I think they have potential to be the best defensive line in the league. Anything we need to note in terms of special teams? I, I know that um, they've drafted another kicker, did they not? And yeah, too early to. I mean, are, are, it's going to be Renee who is kicking field goals. Renee Paradis. That okay, so that we're not looking at the end of that yet. I would imagine this is the last year. Okay, uh, he is also he's in, a firefighter now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But um, he has permission. He just has to show up for practice. You don't like kickers. Don't go to meetings anyway. No, 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 so no. no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just go kick the ball. He has to be there two hours a day, and he's the best kicker in CFL history. So if there's anyone I would trust to be professional, it's him. And then in Cody Grace punting the ball, you have. You know, this big booted Aussie guy who's been an all-star twice. He's amazing. So um, you've got Mark Kellum as special teams coordinator. The, the thing that's going to be missing is Jalen Philpott, the first-round draft pick, Canadian receiver, out of the Calgary Dinos. Um, had a pretty decent rookie season with a few injuries. He's torn his hamstring. They announced it like two weeks ago, saying he would miss all of training camp. They didn't have to do that, which suggests to me he's out for a lot longer okay. than training camp. Like, why, why do that? Yeah. You can just wait till the first day of training camp and then tell us. Yeah. You don't need to get ahead of it. And yeah, and he was also returning kickoffs last year, which means Peyton Logan, who was their punt returner for most of last year, will likely be in there, which just adds another element to the run game. I'm so excited to watch these guys run the ball. Yeah. It sounds crazy in the CFL. Oh, it does. Yeah. 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 Other than Andrew Harris and, and then John Cornish before him, yep. you know, we never talk about the run game. But like the stamps have potential to absolutely dominate on the ground. In, like, in a way that I don't think we've seen in the CFL in 10 years. They have by far the best run game. Huge guys. They work well together. They're good. You know, go one-on, one-off. It's, it's going to be amazing to watch. Any rookies that we should be keeping our eyes on? Um, I haven't dove in enough. I will say that um, when you look at the receiving group, I mentioned Reggie Bangleton. Malik Henry was the, the breakout. Um, we're, so I really think what we need to be looking at is, is sort of that third American receiver. Um, Trey Odoms Dukes is a guy who got a little bit of a look last year. It didn't blow me away, mm-hmm. but I know how high his teammates are on him. But you've got sort of Tommy Lee Lewis coming in. Um, you know, I can probably pull it up here. Um, we'll just vamp here for a second. No problem. Um yeah, I mean, there's there's a guy named Andrew Parchman out of Florida State, um, Tyler Roberts out of Coastal Carolina. You know, that's the position that I'm really looking because the reality is Kamar Jordan, one of my favorite people yep. I've ever covered, uh, had, a, had a pretty off year last year, and I think it cost them some games. There were a couple drops, particularly against the Bombers, in two games that were, like, really, really damaging. Um, and if you can get a productive three Americans, that's what you need in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't have it last year. So that that is the spot where I'm looking at, and then you have a big Canadian named Ryson John. Um, he's like six foot seven. Really interested to see what he does. He was down in the NFL for a couple of years. Dave, two roles this year. Mm-hmm. Is that a big deal? I mean, does that matter anymore? Is it you know? I think it's a big deal. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm always going to be curious as to how involved John Huffnagel is with everything. Absolutely. Anyways, 100%, right? Yep. Um, 
so I, I think that he has help in both roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this is a criticism I have of the CFL in general. It, it tends to the same head coaches get recycled. I think that both Mark Killam and Pat Delmonico are absolutely ready to be head coaches in the CFL. And I'd love to see them get that opportunity. They are, um, they have huge roles within the, in the coaching staff. And I do think that Dave can delegate how what she's willing to delegate is another question. Yeah, no, no. But there is no coaching staff that has more experience that is more. They've been together for a long time. Yeah. Those three guys, you know, they can complete each other's sentences. I, I, I really kill them. Coach last year, a game in Ottawa when yeah. Dave had COVID. Um, so that's why I'm not worried about it. It doesn't feel like like Dave, like Dave is absolutely involved in player personnel decisions anyways. So the GM role, he should be able to slot into relatively quickly. You still have Cole Huffnagel. Uh, you still have Brennan Maloney. You still have sort of your scouting staff, which is very strong. So I, I don't know that it should be an issue, but I do expect Killam and Delmonico to be huge parts in in sort of some of the, the higher-end decisions. When Mark gets a head coaching job, I mean, this is going to be a, a terrific story, isn't it? Because if I remember correctly, he came here from the U of A, did he not? I believe so, yeah. As a strength and conditioning coach. And and then Amarge is like the best special teams coach in the league, um, you know, and, and has been that way. And he's a guy, I mean, I will say that I've got to be careful with how I frame this because it's not hard to figure out who I'm talking about. But mm-hmm. I had a player who was was playing for another organization who'd been in Calgary and was writing me and literally being like, you have to just tell everybody that Mark Hill, I'm like, just say it publicly. Because if they hire the guy who I think they're going to hire – Players aren't going to come. He's like, every player in the league will come play for Mark Killam. He's that loved and that respected. Right. Um, and, I mean, honestly, like, he's been great to me, too. So I'm, I'm yeah. happy to happy to sing his praises. No, um, he's, he's a he's a good guy. He's a good representative. There's, that's what I mean. When he finally gets that opportunity, I think this is that great kind of, I don't know if it's an underdog story, but it's a great from the ground up story. That's a great Canadian football story. Yeah, right? that's right. It's, it's the type of thing that we want to see. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and he's done it the right way, and he's done it with, a, you know, he hasn't made many enemies along the way, as far as I can tell. Um, and as a Calgary success story now, you know? Yeah, for sure home. he is. Um, and I look around the league, and I look at Corey Mace now, defensive coordinator in in Toronto, mm-hmm. came up out of here. I mean, the coaching tree that comes from Huffnagel, yep. and now Dickinson is incredible. But Mark Killam, I just don't know what he has to do to get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, he, he should have gotten it already. Um, I think it shows a lack of creativity and a little bit of safe thinking on behalf of general managers and team presidents around the league that he hasn't gotten that opportunity. Um, but it's time. And that may, to be honest, with Dave taking the GM role, I don't know how long he wants to do both, right? So it could end up being in Calgary, which wouldn't that be something? Hey, uh, that would be the ultimate story, yeah. right? Where he started to where he got to. And then if he has success, I guess that's the ultimate story, right? Um, some some talk, some thought on the CFL itself. Uh some pretty staggering numbers coming out of Edmonton this week about their losses. Um, hard to think that that's not mimicked or replicated in other markets right now. That, uh, or, or is that a one-off in your eyes? I think there are losses everywhere. Um, you know, I had someone tweet about tweet me about this, and I will say, I mean, I was at the Commonwealth Stadium a number of times last year. It was the worst. There was nowhere. Toronto is not as bad as Edmonton was last year. In terms of in terms of just crowd, yeah, yeah. Now part of that is the Commonwealth is huge. Yep. Um. You know there was some bad weather. There was some bad luck. But I mean, even the Labor Day replay, which should be one of the biggest games of the year. I mean, I don't know. I I imagine they said that there was twenty one thousand or something like that. But like 
Yeah. I was sitting there with other reporters in Edmonton, and we were all saying, there's no way there's more than 10 or 11 here. Um, so Edmonton, I, I I think that was expected. I think those numbers were, were really awful. I think that, like, the on-field product has not been very good. I expect it to be a lot better this year, but they've got some rebuilding to do. Um, and I, I do like the energy that Victor Cooey brings there. Um, but I don't think that I, – I think that we have – we have had a decline here in Calgary um, that is very real and that I think that you and I can feel, right? Like oh, uh, no, absolutely um, you can. Yeah. Um, I, I, there are less, there's less visibility around the city. There were smaller crowds. But it's worth noting that the crowds were – they weren't as bad as they were in Edmonton last year. Now, BC, I imagine – I don't know what, you know, profit, loss, revenue, all of that. No, but he was but, he's throwing money at it to, to keep it, right? And and they built something. Like last yeah. year, no, Nathan Rourke's a big part of that. Sure. They built something. Saskatchewan, look, the numbers wouldn't look very good in Saskatchewan, but last year was a brutal season. It was deeply frustrating. There was a lot of negativity. That'll the second that they get they start building something positive there. It'll the come back. Will be back. Yeah. Winnipeg, same thing. I mean, there's no better place in Canada to watch football than than Winnipeg. Um the fans are insane. I like I when when the riders get back we'll have we'll talk about that competition but i swear like that winnipeg stadium is if you haven't been i mean it, it honestly should be bucket list particularly a big winnipeg calgary or a winnipeg regina game mm-hmm. or a winnipeg saskatchewan game um and then out east look there's problems out east and you know the the red blacks haven't won a home game in a couple of years it's still one of the more fun places if you can get in their little end zone bar it's a great crowd it's younger than pretty much anywhere else um hamilton is hamilton they they generally just draw a pretty decent crowd. And then Toronto and Montreal have had real problems. Yeah. You know, and, and Montreal had real problems last year with the ownership group. Uh, we'll see now that uh, my former boss, Pierre-Carl Pelado, owns the team. I, I think it being in French-Canadian hands with a big businessman who has a large media reach, I think that's really going to make a difference. But um, do you buy, in, in, in terms of that, do you buy the theory that he's running that organization and going to run it at a top level to attract the National Hockey League to Quebec City, that that he wants to prove to Gary Bettman they've been down that path a couple of times. Now he wants to go run an organization, run it at a high level to prove that they could do it in Quebec City. I like that idea. Um, if that's what he has to do, then go do it. Uh, that's not that's not a knock on the CFL. Cool. I mean... No, not at all. I just... Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of a... It makes sense to me on a level, well, right? And at some point, if you are if you are interested in owning a professional sports team in Montreal mm-hmm. or in Quebec, mm-hmm. just the province in general, I don't think that there is any question that you eventually want within the next 20 years to have an MLB team mm-hmm. back in Montreal. So mm-hmm. I'm sure he's got that on his mind. Yep. You, you want to be part I, of that. That's another, there's another piece, yeah. And you're going to have to show MLB owners professional sports other than the Habs works in Quebec. Yep. So this is another way of, of, of doing that. Um Let's be perfectly honest with you. I mean, is Montreal, I may be wrong here, but I think I read somewhere that it's the biggest North American city without an NBA team. I might I might be making that up, but NBA is not even out of the possibility no. for no. Montreal. Um, so, cool. If, if the Habs or if the Alouettes are the, are, are the yeah. guinea pig a little bit, then all the better. Well, and that, uh, we need to more me, money. <laughs> yeah, you do. And, and to me, it's, you know, you mentioned last year what a disaster it was in terms of ownership. I'm thinking they might have got the right guy, you know, in that regard. 100%. For those reasons, right? Yeah. For those reasons. He's got, I mean, he's got deep pockets. And yeah. no matter what, I mean, people ask me all the time, what's wrong with the CFL? They want me to talk about marketing. They want me to talk about this. They want me to talk. No, there's not enough money. This is literally the, and like, 
all those things. It's chicken and egg. I understand that. But like what this league but needs is money. What I, okay. I, I, cause you brought it up a little while ago and, and then went through the, your laundry list of, of cities, which I loved every second. Of. I hope that's okay. But let's though. come back yeah. to Calgary. No, you get the yeah. show next Wednesday, do whatever the hell you want. Um, I want to come back to Calgary for a second. Uh, you're not traveling this year. No. Okay. Post media travel is not. Okay. Okay. To me, that just speaks to one of the broader problems. Has any sport been more affected than the CFL, than the deterioration of the traditional medias? By not having suppertime news and by not having newspapers and by not, you know, we can talk about the building and I think the building's crap and I think that hurts your attendance. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know, Jake. Don't, don't know. I knew that guy. I knew, yeah. I knew Bo Levi. I knew Henry. You know, hell, we knew Michael Federick even. Um, but one of the criticisms that I have of the last 10 years or so, um, you know, was they just the players weren't available. Um, they weren't out. They just didn't seem. But then the outlets all went away. Right. And then it became difficult. And then, and then you're the, you're the backbone. We've had this conversation. You were the backbone of this for the last couple of years. And now you're being stifled. I, I said that, not you, by the yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, the travel thing is, is a separate issue there. Um, and, and I mean, I, I think as you know, and I, I've spoken. But that doesn't help that. the coverage, Danny. No. Well, and, and I mean, the issue is for people who don't understand it. I mean, this is not actually like everything you are saying is right. It's not actually the CFL's fault. No, not at all. Not at all. And it's not the Stampeders fault. But if I look back to 2016, 2017, 2018, I mean, those were my first three years. Uh, You had TSN and a camera there every day. You would have had CTV and Google. Absolutely. Uh, Dave Rowe would have been there. Um, You know, there would have, I would say that there would be six probably media people every day. Yeah. At this point, it's me, Mark Steven. And like, I don't know if Matt Rose is going to be back this year, but like those were that the, the, that was it. And like, and that and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, a decade ago, 15 years ago, when people were still consuming that media, you saw those guys. It's hard for me to name five Stampeders right now. Yeah, you know, off the top of my head, right? I don't know who Jake Mary is. I don't know who the Nick Lewis of this team is, right? And I. That's the joy of the CFL. That's the panache of the CFL. It was always they were available. They were accessible. And this is not a criticism of, of Jean over there or any, it's not a criticism the of the CFL. Business, yeah. We just, it's evaporated well, on. And I mean, to, to add to that, I will say that the people at Stamps TV, I mean, Spencer, Mikhail and Natasha are honestly doing such an amazing job. Yeah, they job, are. But, but you have to actually seek that out, right? Right. The, the advantage to our traditional media is that it was in your face. That's right. You would be watching Global at six o'clock and you got hit with it. That's right. Now you're not getting that anymore. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean that's stuff that does need to be rectified, and that's stuff that I've certainly found deeply frustrating. No, I know uh, you have. I know um, you have. My solution to everything is F one Drive to Survive. They need to find their content platform that works yeah. for them. And I mean, I'm like you know hoping to do more with you, and and you know do more video and I, I will be with my friend Darren bombing in Winnipeg. We were just like, you know what? Let's just do a five minute hit on the CFL every morning, record it, toss it on, barely even produce just a zoom call. Just have some video out there because I think no that's the, I think that's the future. It. Yeah. I think that's like, the future. It'll be on YouTube. We might get a hundred views per thing, but at least someone's talking about the CFL because it's not happening on radio. It's no, not. it's not. Um, and so, you know, we're going to try to do that a little bit this year. Um, I'm not a nine in the morning type of guy, so we'll see how it goes. But um, I understand. But yeah, so I look. I I don't I don't know the solutions, and it always comes down to this one thing, which like 
I have a moment every year, and I'd like to say that it's Labor Day, but it's normally earlier than that, where I'll have been doing NHL and, you know, I, I get back to stamps and I feel at home doing stamps. But then I have a moment where there's a game and it's normally Winnipeg and it's Calgary and it's these two teams and I'll feel like it's underappreciated. And in the middle of the game, the crowd's going nuts. CFL fans love the CFL so much. Yep. And I'll just be like, this is literally the best league in the world. And I honestly believe that. No, I know. And I could not do stamps this year. I like, it's completely an option. I like, I was told like, if you don't want to do it, do it. And I'm like, no chance I'm not doing it. I needed a break. I needed to get away from it. I was mm-hmm. pretty frustrated at the end of last year, mm-hmm. but I love covering the Calgary Stampeders. And I love, like, I love getting there two hours early, walking around the tailgate. It's the best tailgate in the country by far. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Um, I don't. No. no. no well, I don't. People in other markets got mad at me, and I'm like, well, it's just because you haven't done it. Like, I, and, yeah. you know, there's Alberta in the summer. It's such a special place and a special time, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. And for all that's wrong with it, there is a lot that's right with it, and I always try to make that point because I think that people, not you, but I, I will go on radio occasionally, and they'll, they'll just do 10 minutes of, bashing the cfl and i'm like well i love the cfl well but i'm i'm still of that and i we've had this conversation before i'm you know was the tail end of that generation that was so angry at the cfl but had to defend it because it was ours you know the american you know that the tail end of the five in a row by the the eskimos and and the american experiment and the good quarterbacks here in calgary but you know there was still Two teams were always life and death, right? Two teams were always life and death. Mm-hmm. This team was life and death. Like, it was life and death. Yeah. And, ah, damn it. Ah, it's mm-hmm. the best league in the world. And, and it was kind of like that. Yeah. But it always had good people. It always had good stories. It was uniquely Canadian for a lot of reasons. And, and that's, you know, again, we can even get into that. Like, you know, the ratios and stuff like that. And uh, I, I worried about, I'm more worried now than I've ever been. Worried about it more than I've ever been. Yeah. And I mean, it's always so tough. Like it's, this is true of every sport, but it's like particularly feels true about the CFL. I watched with John Bender. Yeah. Um, he, he did at, what do you call it? Trolley, trolley five, trolley five. On 17th. He did a great cup watch party. Yeah. Probably 20 of us there. Um, it was awesome. In the basement, it was fun. What a game that was. Mm-hmm. Um, number of friends who I had, from Toronto. Again, I am from downtown Toronto, essentially, yep. like yep. the area just around it. And my friends aren't CFL fans. They always ask me. They want to know. They want it to succeed. But they're not going to spend their money um, going to see a game. And all of them are writing me after the Grey Cup being like, I love this Mwamba guy. Like, oh, my God, tell us more about this Argos team. What a game. That was unbelievable. And then there's six months where nothing happens. Yep. And, you know, there's six months where the Leafs are in the second round. The, the Jays are pretty good. The Raptors. Mm-hmm. Have, and, and the problem is you need the – you need the Southern Ontario market in this country, you know, and, and they don't have it. Yeah. No, I, uh, Hey, I came in, you know, it was all, you know, big and sexy when I started to bash Toronto and we don't, you know, I, I remember being on 960 my first year going, yeah, get rid of them. We don't need them. Uh, it's exactly the opposite of that because if you don't have them, then Bay street doesn't see you, then the media doesn't see you, you know, whatever that is now, but the decision makers in this country don't see you. No. And the money doesn't. That well, that, the decision right. makers on the yeah, money, right? That's the, that's the thing. Um, and I think that last year, I think the best thing that could have happened for the CFL. And to be honest, I've said this a million to people a million times. Last year, I would have led off the season with like the Bombers have won two in a row. Everyone's chasing the Bombers. That would have been my entire CFL marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. It's just the big bad Bombers. Mm-hmm. We're all coming for you. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I 
chances are, you know, the presidents would have said, oh, you're putting too much focus on one team. We don't want that. It's got to be like, it would have worked. That is what you do. And the fact that the Toronto Argonauts, that team with, with the way that game played out, the, the blocked field goals, everything that they beat the Bombers is honestly the best thing that could have happened yes. for the CFL. Yes. Now you have a year where the Hamilton Tiger Cats have signed Bo Levi Mitchell. They signed Jameer Thurman. They have loaded up. The Ticats are going to be an absolute just train this year. I think they're going to be amazing. Possibly setting up again. I will argue that Winnipeg has to be considered the favorite for the CFL this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those two teams have met twice in the Grey Cup. What a thing that would be in Hamilton a third time, this time with Bo. Other possibility is that it's Calgary. Like I Calgary and Hamilton. Or Calgary and Toronto, where your head coach and defensive coordinator and Fuller and Armalade, all these guys. These stories you can tell from week one. There's no reason why they, they can't be trotting out videos highlighting like this is the crash course that all these teams could be on. We still don't have we still are are anchored to old thinking. Too many old thinkers. You mentioned you know, we talk about Victor I like Victor and mm-hmm. he's a dreamer. Did you see the freaking snowboard? set up in commonwealth i was up there i saw it it was awesome yeah, i was at the announcement for that weirdly enough as a favorite of a friend really uh you know quinn yep. yeah uh, yeah yeah she just called me and was like hey she's working with yeah yeah um and i was like there's no way so I, i've only seen it on youtube no but we were up there and i drove by it and it was lit up at night and dark and and it was oh it was amazing and i'm like that this guy gets it like yeah. he gets it the guy out in bc gets it i you know uh you're talking about jay earlier like god bless you jay and i hope you have more success than some of us did but you we need new thinking we need new blood we need you know it can't always be a callback to the past right it can't always be because uh, if you think people are going to put on fur coats and slip a little scotch into their hot, you know, another, I don't know, a drink, so I don't know, into their coffee uh, and go sit in minus 40 because that's what they want. That ain't this crowd. No, no. Jay gets that though. There's yes, he does. Jay's he is the perfect person for that role. He's deeply connected to the CFL, but also has had a tremendous amount of success in the business yep. world. Um, understands how to talk to corporate Calgary, right? I mean, you need to bring corporate Calgary back back into the fold. You know, um, I am. There is no one who like I. I'm really excited to see what Jay brings, and part of that is I'm friends with everyone who works for the organization, and they're excited. They're they're, they're hard energized. not to like though. Oh yeah, right. They're um, hard not to like. except except for Ross Fullen. <laughs> um, anyway, say a bad word about no, it. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Ross. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm like genuinely of the belief that I I think that putting the tarps over is perfect. I honestly like people. I would rather look at the tarps than those empty corners, 100%. and I've been looking at those empty corners for 15 years. Hundred um, percent. Give me a reason to take them out. Give me a reason to take exactly. Jason Kelly and that ticketing crew would be happy to go take them out. They'll sell them. Yeah. Well, they'll be out for Labor Day. They'll be out right. for the games against the Riders. Yep. Um, but this is how I know that it's not hopeless. His last year, Alex Snell came down, did a great interview with me. I appreciate it. But it was, I think it was week six, and the Stamps and Bombers were both undefeated. Although I don't know, it might have been. It might have been game two that they played head-to-head, so the Bombers might have been the Stamps once. But either way, it looked, and I will maintain that last year, there were three teams in the West that could have won. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lions with Nathan Rourke obviously beat the Stamps and beat them badly, but um, that game also had a couple weird play calls, all that. The Stamps were in the mix from your, but it felt as if it was the Bombers and Stamps finally, the yeah. two powerhouses yeah. of the last you know, seven or eight years, finally going to meet in the West Final. Here we go. 
and attendance had been around 21,000. And I wrote a story, and, 20, and the t- attendance for that game was around 26. 5,000 more people showed up for the big game against the big opponent. That shows me that people are still engaged. That shows me that that's people a great still care point. That's and a, that people will yep, come out. That's a great point. Because if people were checked out and didn't care about the CFL, the opponent wouldn't have mattered. And Winnipeg, it's not like we have a bunch of Manitobans just hanging around Calgary going to every Bombers game the way we do with Riders. Don't you think it might have been your well-crafted story that might have just inspired people if to go? If I can inspire 5,000 people to go, <laughs> I need to figure out a way to monetize that. Um, um, any scouting report on the world's fastest cow? I have not heard how tryouts have gone. Okay. Uh, I look forward to them and answer the world's fastest cow so I can talk trash about the new cow. Um, I spent four and a half years over there trying to get on the field against that cow. You know that I raced him, right? Huh? I raced yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. And you've been in GQ. I get it. Um, <laughs> I have been in GQ. I know you have been in GQ. Oh, funny how that showed up in another conversation. Oh, Julian's going to be all over oh, you. No. Um, I'm sorry, Julian. No. Hey, uh, switch of sports on you. Why? What? I thought we were getting a UFC event here. Or I we still are. About that. I, that I don't know. Oh, I come on. They, I know they chose to go to Vancouver. Um, so we're not getting one in June. Not as of now. Okay. No, they're, they're going to I had a guest on and everything talking about it. I was so pumped up and, and I was excited because, of course, 2012. Now, there was one in 2018, but this was supposed the, the to be. The 2018 a, one was great. The, and that, and J.D. Lewis is, you know, was on, and he yeah. was talking about how great that one that is. That was like a truly, I mean, the problem was it only drew around 11,000. Yes. Um, and it was a card that, admittedly, it's a card that if you look back on, looks even better. But as someone who was covering the sport at that time. It was kind of like, eh. Oh, as somebody who was covering the sport, yeah, 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 I couldn't yeah. believe how good it was. Right. It was just like guys who were maybe a fight away from becoming superstars. Stars. Yeah. But then you, I mean, you had Jose Aldo. Like it was, it was a good card. Yeah. But it'll they'll be back here eventually. I mean, I still think that the UFC, like they're not in the space anymore where they are just traveling every week to a new city. They do most of their events in Vegas at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the big ones they'll travel. Um, but even then, the big ones are not. The big ones aren't going to Columbus, Ohio. You know, the big ones are going to Dallas. Yeah. So. Well, but now they've got WWE, so, I know, it's right? It's it's crazy. It's fascinating. I'm not a huge, like, I like support, like what you like, but I don't follow wrestling on a day-to-day basis, so I don't know what that deal means. How but. dare you, sir? I know. Um, what it means is it means that there's a content deal out there for somebody because yeah. you've got bazillion years of WWE content. You've got a bazillion years of UFC content. Uh, not to mention the new stuff, but somebody out there is going to get rich on that media deal. Yeah, and no off-season for either, right? So it should be, yeah. Well, that's that's just it. And then, you know, do you take bits and pieces of them? Do you open up UFC UK and UFC Japan and or all those? You is know it what I mean? the next big American media rights deal? Because NBA is coming up soon. Right. No, I don't think it's the it's it's being talked about right now. I I think NBA's the big one. Yeah. I think the NBA one is is again, you know, we just saw the premiership go to Sky TV. We were talking to Adam uh, Seaborn about that on Wednesday. Um, there's still money out there. Surprising to me, there's still money out there, right? I was reading somewhere that they say that after the next NBA deal, the expectation is that like salaries could go up to like seventy five to eighty million yes. a year for players. Which yes. Is, like yes, why if you're LeBron James, you just kind of hang out for a couple more. Well, years. I think that's why he wants Bronny to make it. Yep. Right. And and you know no, I do. Yeah, I think he wants the money not to play with his kid. But you know what I mean. Like, um, no, I I think there's GMs right now in this in in the NBA that are getting ready to pay that and and are you know kind of making decisions today based on what it's going to be. Yeah. You know, if I if I pay this guy today, what am I going to have to qualify him in the new leagues and you know or what are we going to have left and uh, it's. 
it's the one, and again, I'm a homer, but the one I'm fascinated to see is when the Rogers deals ends for the NHL. The gravy train might be over there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, I do not expect that to be a one media group winning the whole thing next time. It has to be split up, right? Um, there's nothing that I see about Rogers that sends me signals that they want to spend any money on anything. They're, they brought in a, a hockey show for the playoffs. Like they're importing a hockey show. I see more Jack Edwards and Rick Ball on that, on that, those stations, right? Like they take, you know, again, if you're a Jays fan, but this year was better. I think there was a few more spring training games, but there was a spring training there a couple of years ago. I think they did one or two games. Um, I don't know, man, you know, and again, you know, you probably heard this in the NFL side of things. The fact that Amazon might get the flex and everything, and there's a lot of people angry about that because they've only been doing it for one year and haven't had much success, but there's a lot of thought that Goodell really believes in streaming. Where does Gary Bettman fit on streaming? And now with those RSNs fa- failing in the United States, streaming might be, that might, and I'm not sure about Canada because they're not failing up here yet, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's inevitable that that's the way it goes, right? I mean, I think that it's where every other entertainment business has gone. It's where the music industry went, was to, you know, Spotify and Apple Music. Yeah, but but DAZN didn't, you know, DAZN spent a lot of money, hasn't quite gotten over. ESPN Plus spent some money, hasn't quite got over, right? Like, you know. I I think ESPN Plus has been a success for Disney. Um, And I just, I I think it has been, but it hasn't become Netflix. It hasn't become, you know, I would say Disney Plus is probably bigger than, and I might be completely wrong on those yeah. numbers, but it hasn't impacted the, the the world of, you know, they haven't become that big figure in in rights deals. I guess let's the NHL's on there, but it's an add-on, right? For sure, and that's I mean I think that's going to be ultimately the question because it'll be the tech streamers that have the money to actually buy. Like it'll be the Amazons. Um, it would be Netflix, but I mean those aren't really tech companies that produce content, like is is what they are, right? Um, might be this might be the nation network. Let's, let's we might, that, we might be the carriers for in the national hockey league. The next go around. I mean, you got Peter Mark coming on. We got Peter Mark. Well, you got Peter Mark coming on, right? Know. You know who else is coming on that show? You haven't quite decided. yet. Haven't quite decided. I'm in the process of figuring. Okay. And then you're, you got well, two weeks from today. You're hosting too. Yeah. So we got, yeah, I think we have three. I'm getting lazy up. all of a sudden. I just not showing up. Just going to have you do the shows. I appreciate it. It's uh no, it should be fun. Well, I'm going to, I'm not going to say, I'm always trying to secure one person who will say yes, but then not quite say yes to me. So I'm hoping to get that guy for Wednesday, um, but we'll see. Otherwise, there's lots going on. Oh, I know who he is. Yeah. Okay, I know who he is. All right. Um, fifty. Your 50 thoughts. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So. And what do you call it? Danny Austin's 50 things I'm watching this okay. St. Peter season. Okay. Um, so a lot of it we talked about. I always like the I like the old Peter King, ten things I think I think I know. Yes. <laughs> that one was always I can relate to that. If there's one thing I know, I don't want to be drawing any conclusions at this point in the CFL season. So it's better to do like things I'm looking out for as opposed to things that I think. Okay. So who who's outside of Calgary, who's gonna be the most improved team this year? Edmonton. Really? Yeah. I suspect Edmonton could push for a playoff spot. That's tough because I don't think the East is as bad. So you really, I think you're going to have three and three. I okay. Think we're going to have a crossover because um, I think Toronto and Hamilton are good. I think Ottawa should be improved. Montreal, I'm not really that concerned about. Yeah. So, but I, I think BC will regress. Who's their quarterback? 
Vernon Adams Jr. Okay, yeah, that's um, right. Who, like, I like as a quarterback, but they also lost Brian Burnham, right? Yep. Mean, they made oh, some yeah, improvements. Yeah, yeah. There. It's yeah, not yeah. like they're going to be a bad team, but you went from Nathan Rourke. Who More importantly, who's playing home opener? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, so I look, I think you'll see Winnipeg one, Calgary two, third, three. I'll go Edmonton. I'll go on record. Yeah. Yeah, I like Edmonton. I, I, I don't bet against Chris Jones in year two. I just don't do it. No, I know. I want to. I really want to. I don't like him, but. I also liked what I saw from Cornelius last year. I, I, I think, I think Trey Ford should get some reps. I, I quietly like that Edmonton team a lot. You do, eh? Yeah. Okay. Not as a great cup winner, but as a no, 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 no. But but being better, yeah. right? Being better because eighteen in a row without a win at home. Yeah. And that's where, like, that's I won't worry about Edmonton until if they start winning. If they're like an eleven-win team this year and and they still aren't trying, that's when I start to worry about that market. But I think we'll see an improvement, and hopefully, we see the fans come back. Yeah. Well, and part of what might go against them is the NHL team might be playing for a while too, right? That's there could be crossover at the beginning of the season. Quite a bit of crossover. God, it can't happen. <sighs> I keep I keep picking them because I figure if I keep picking them, then they'll fail for sure. Because I'm the world's this, worst. They're so good. Oh, I know. They're like the are they, good. or they can, or can they just score themselves out of trouble? You know what I mean? Yeah. But because I go back to that game against LA down three nothing in the first period and they did nothing and they came back and won. I said that's it. They believe. Yeah. Right. They there's nothing this team can't do. And even when you know uh, Vegas punches them right in the nose and then they come back and punch Vegas in the nose. nose. I'm gonna be very curious if it continues to sort of flip flop with one team blowing out the other. I think it's sort of fascinating that that's happening. I think he he doesn't get enough credit. Oh, here we go. Here are the scores. Thanks, Gav. Gav's an Oilers fan, so. I get lots of Euler information. Oh, you know that already. Um, I think the one thing that nobody talks about, I think this team made such an incredible move with Ekholm and not chasing Carlson. Right? Because they were in that Carlson for a bit there. You know, when you get Friedman and Johnson reporting it, it's happening, right? But Ekholm has been just outstanding for them, and I think Carlson would have been an anchor. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think Ekholm's a terrific hockey player. That team, honestly, I mean, they're pretty well constructed. Meh. 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 Don't give them credit. If you give them credit, it goes right to their heads, and then, oh, ugh. Then we have to listen to the City of Champions, and then they'll, they'll all spend a Sunday out there painting a sign for Nisku, and, ugh, oh, it'll just go south in, the, in a hurry, right? <laughs> Uh, Danny, appreciate this as always. Uh, thank you for stepping in next uh, Wednesday, and we'll get you back on because obviously there's lots to talk about. And le- please let us know when you're dropping the 6.30 in the morning show. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for having me. On. All right. Thanks, great. brother. Danny Austin, he is the best from Post Media. You can uh, grab his uh, column tomorrow. 50 storylines worth uh, watching this year that he has picked out for the Calgary Stampeders. There's no doubt there will be many, many, many interesting stories to come out of McMahon and on the road this year. He's, of course, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard. SkiSellerSnowboard.com, 76 years in Calgary. Three locations, McLeod Trail. 
by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street and Sunridge Road Northwest. Make sure you go in and say hi. Tell them you were listening to Just a Game. Tell them you heard us talking about the Stampeders. And I, I mean, not going to get you anything, but they like to know that. I think it's important that they know that. Um, couple things before we go in our final mile. Um, I have to go all the way back to March 26th. March 26th. Uh, my, uh, my, uh, our Calgary superheroes teams played the flames alumni. And in the second game, uh, we were in a really tough game. Croner was playing lights out in goal. Uh, and Lanny McDonald was really owning the middle of the ice and, uh, young Liam picked up the puck and went down the ice and scored an important goal. And when he came to the bench, he said, did you see the goal? And I said, yes. And he said, will you give me a shout out on your podcast? And I said, of course I would. I have not. Uh, it is May 12th. March 26th was a while ago. I just recently saw Liam and he reminded me that I did not give him a shout out. So I just want to make sure that I live up to my obligations. So Liam, this is your shout out for your big goal against the alumni way back on March 26th. I may not be a bright guy, but I certainly try to live up to all of my obligations. Um, I got this story here this week and I've been sitting on it. Uh, as we all know, uh, the... 2024 uh, Calgary Special Olympics Games are in Calgary next year. Um, and usually you go out, you get sponsors, and you go out, you get people to, uh, you know, share the cost and things. But this is a real special story. Um, and I apologize to the family because I know right now uh, that I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, but we lost the young man, uh, Michael Van Utenhang. Utenham, I believe that's the name, Utenham. Um, he was a big hockey fan, uh, played hockey all the way up, um, loved it, uh, coached it, but also uh, wanted to support Special Olympics. His family, his friends, in memory of Michael, have raised $100,000 to support the uh, floor hockey part of the Special Olympics next year the Special Olympics Winter Games. Uh, you're going to hear more about this story. It was passed on to me. Um, it's a great Calgary story. Um, it, it just, it, it really hits you deep and it hits you hard. Um, but what a great way to remember this young man. And, uh, he, and, and so it just, like, it's incredible. It's incredible what this family and, and these friends have done to remember this guy. Uh, Michael and and uh, to help out the Special Olympics. I talk about Made in Calgary solutions all the time. This is a, a Made in Calgary solution. Uh, and one last one. Tomorrow, speaking of my friends with the superheroes, uh, we are teaming up. We are going to be live on location from 1 to 4 o'clock at Pet Value in Deer Run. We were there uh, back in March. So the superheroes are going to be there along with Parachutes for Pets. We are uh, on a – we're stuffing a truck – but we, we're on a mission. Um, we are sending a ton of food up north for those who've been impacted by the fires. When they are evacuated from the homes, they're taking their pets. That means they need pet food and supplies. So we will be at Pet Value at Deer Run from 1 to 4 o'clock tomorrow. The superheroes, myself, Parachutes for Pets. We'd love to see you. You'd love to come by, meet the hockey players, uh, but also help us out as we uh, get some much-needed 
relief supplies that we can send up north to help those who've been impacted by the fires. Thanks to all of our guests this week. It was a fun week. Thanks to Stephen Ellis. Uh, Adam Seaborn joined us a couple of days ago. Ryan Pike was on with us. Uh, we, we've just had a, you know, a boatload of a great guest, Danny Austin, today. Uh, Danny's going to be back hosting the show with Peter Marr on Wednesday. I'm in on Monday with Colin Patterson and Pike. And then next Friday, uh, it's been a long, long time, a long time. But looking forward to having Craig Button and Eric Dehachuk on the same show. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening. Thanks for If you're downloading this podcast, leave us a rating. It'd be best if you left, left it like three and above, maybe four. Five, five would be great. Tell a friend if you know who uh, likes... Uh, old people yelling at them. This is the podcast for them. Have a great weekend. Thanks to our outstanding producers, Jack and Gavin, for doing another great job this week. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.